Oi, you lot. You're listening to Garage Hammer. Episode 195. On tonight's episode, the Manlings are bringing you the new version of the Age of Sigmar. And what else is there to say but that? So sit back and shut it. I'm listening to me show. Welcome to the Garage, you tools. For the next few hours or thereabouts, we will do our best to keep you informed, entertained, and perhaps have a laugh or two along the way, bringing you spooky ghosts, ghostbusters, and I don't know. Man, there's just too much. I'm Alex Gonzalez. And I'm Skip Stevenson. And I'm going back to Skip Stevenson because as we're starting over with something all new, it's kind of like going back to the beginning. Great. So, Skip Stevenson. Okay. You don't have to guess that one. I've been using that forever. You don't know who Skip Stevenson is? It's my wife's cousin, I guess. Oh, what? No. No. Her maiden name is Stevenson. Oh, you're probably too young to remember the TV show Real People. It was was a, that on MTV? No, no. It was just a regular network show where they uh-huh. would just... They had a bunch of people and it was almost like... They would just get together and they would go out and find people who had weird little things they did or weird hobbies and they would interview them and it was kind of funny. But one of the guys was Skip Stevenson and uh-huh. I just, you know, I, I only did, I only yelled Skip Stevenson for the first like 50 episodes of the show. I know you weren't listening way back then. No, or maybe I you don't remember. Oh, you're hurting me now. Sorry. Speaking of way back then, before we get into all this other stuff, I forgot to mention something on our last episode because I was in such a rush to go to Disney World. Last episode was our eight-year anniversary of Garage Hammer. Wow. Eight years. And still on the air. (laughs) No hiatuses, no breaks, two shows a month, plus Garage Gamers, plus any other garbage I decided to put out meanwhile. Mm -hmm. We're almost at episode 200. Yeah, that's... I still don't know why we're on the air, but no. That's... No, that is... That's a tremendous achievement in and of itself. Uh, it's just crazy. Uh, I mean, and I, I mean, I love doing this, and everybody knows. I mean, hell, if nobody was listening, I would probably I'd be down here just talking this garbage to to myself. But I mean, Harrison's sitting down here right now, playing on his laptop. You know, he's like filling out applications for Harvard and University of Chicago. And when we started, this kid was nine. Yeah, when we started the show, he he, he was seven. Or six when we started playing, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, Kira, you she's twelve. She was four. <laughs> She'd be on the other side, like playing with blocks, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I'd be pretending to watch her while we're down here recording shows, you know, because you know I'm doing this when I could father be, of the year could be teaching my children to read, but I was doing this. It's crazy. Yes. Um, and thanks to everybody who's been listening. I mean, I can still get people. I've been listening from the beginning. I'm like, I'm so sorry because. The beginning was bad, but mm-hmm. the first year was rough, but... Um, they all are. Yeah. Nothing's an instant hit. But, uh, yeah, now I'm like one of these old men of Warhammer, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just crazy. Eight years, that's like a sixth of my life. Yeah. I've been doing this show, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like I said, you know, just... And it's been I haven't I haven't missed an episode in eight years. Like we've put out two a month. Some are a little late, but we've mm-hmm. put out two a month plus other stuff. For it's just this is a big part of my. Life. I'm sitting here right yeah. now thinking like, wow, what am I doing with my life? But 
I don't know, man. It, you know it's what? All right. As long as I'm enjoying it still. It's, That's what matters. It's all good. Exactly. It's Wow. Okay. So um, having said that, um, yeah. So we got sponsors that because people still actually, you know, give us yeah. money to do this show. So we should probably say thank you, right? Probably. So um, as always, we need to take a moment to thank the sponsors of Garage Hammer, which include Chaos Orc Superstar. Chaos Orc Superstar. Chaos Orc Superstar. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios for all your MDF hobby needs. The TC War Room in Traverse City, Michigan. You ain't wrong. Nope. And Black Dog Hobby and Game in Loves Park. Yes. Now, uh, Alex, you are a frequent yeah. person at that place. Uh, you have a something coming up, don't you? Uh, yeah, we do have a tournament coming up on the 7th. Uh, so this will be AOS 2. It's going to be more of a learning experience. Uh, so we'll be doing three games, 2,000 points. We'll be playing with Realmscape rules, with endless spells, the whole shebang. Because we gotta start getting used to it, so this is so the immersive part. Stuff. This game is getting it's, bananas. and we're gonna talk about it when we yeah. get into it. Um, but we still got spots left, so please go ahead and call the store or check in with them on Facebook, and they will sort you up. Yeah, uh, and just for anyone else, uh, like I said, Black Dog Hobby and Games, Love Park, Illinois. Um, miniature games, card games, board games, RPGs—they have all of it. They have Tuesday night RPGs, Wednesday night Modern Magic, Thursday night board games, Friday night Age of Sigmar, Saturday Warhammer. Uh, and you can look at them up on Facebook and check out their game meetup group linked on their Facebook page. Yep. So lots going on with that place. Mm-hmm. I actually placed my first order with them since I, that's, I don't have an FLGS yet, quite yet. Although there will be one popping in soon. Yes, very shortly. Um what else? Oh, uh, Patreon. We have a Patreon. And thank you to everyone who is a part of our Patreon. If you are even remotely interested in what I'm talking about, go to patreon.com slash garagehammer and check out our Patreon page. Uh, I do want to thank our associate producers, Phil Elliott and Dwight Sims, our executive producers, Misty Tempel and Nick Naf Pleotis. And thank you to our newest sponsors, Robert Hensel and Jimmy Rowland. Thank you guys for becoming part of the 1% who make this show and all of the stuff we do with it possible. Um, yeah, check it out. If you want to help the show, that's a great way to do it. And every little bit helps. It really does. So thank you to everyone who's a part of it and everyone who has been a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we still get people who drop off and they'll drop me an email and be like, dude, I had to drop off. I feel bad. I'm like, what? <laughs> you feel bad that you're not doing something for me you don't have to do for me? Don't feel bad. Thank yeah. you to all of you. It's really amazing. Um, And what else? Oh, we did get some voicemails. We have voicemails? Not only did we get them, we got them while you were here and we were playing Warhammer. So <laughs> uh, we got one that's really short and one that's a little longer. This first one is from a gentleman named Nathan. But Dave, yeah. What if I want to call in and leave a voicemail? Oh my goodness, I cannot believe I forgot that. You totally I was did. so busy looking at the calls. All right, so if anybody wants to call and pay attention, because somebody literally just put on the Facebook page, if hey, I want you to do number? this, how can I get in touch with you? And then, did you see that on I the did. Facebook page, dude? That was hysterical. Listeners just literally putting in quotes. 
everything I say in the beginning, and then other listeners going, "Is it weird that I heard that in Dave's voice?" <laughs> to like, be fair, yeah, it's pretty normal. It, yeah, everyone's like, "How else would you hear it?" Okay, so if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can call one seven five seven G H show six. That's one seven five seven G H show six, and leave us a voicemail. International callers in most countries dial zero zero one seven five seven G H show six, and for those of you who don't have letters on your phones, that's one seven five seven four four one four six nine six feel free to call anytime because as you all know i loves me some voicemail so here is the first voicemail from nathan hey it's nathan i uh, just wanted to say love the show um came back to the game after 15 years and really excited uh, excited about 2.0 and getting some flush eaters on the table. Uh, love Alex's insight and David's charisma. Uh, my question is, what is the theme song, uh, the intro song that you guys play? It's catchy. I like it. I love it. Thanks. That's the old man on the river, right? Old man on the bridge. On the bridge. Yes, that is the title track to the album. Old Man on the Bridge by a band known as King Kong from Louisville, Kentucky. One of my faves. Um, that's a, yeah, I, we get that's like the second most asked question that comes in for the show. What is that? Yes, if you want to get that, I would suggest that. And if you like that, I would also pick up uh, their other album, Funny Farm. They're like a, a much better version of the Dead Milkmen in many ways. Um, you've never heard of the Dead Milkmen? Let's assume no. Oh, they were a great punk band from the 80s. Come on, you never heard, like, they had Punk Rock Girl, Methodist Coloring Book, Bitchin' Camaro, Big Lizard in My Backyard. I'm showing my age. I am, like, 10 years older than you, and that small difference really makes a big difference, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> but, I mean, I started with rock like Aerosmith, and then it just got progressively darker from there as far as my music tastes go. So, See, yeah, uh, it's 1972, so I grew up with all the rock, but then when I hit my teenage years, my cousin got into punk rock, and my cousin was the coolest kid I knew, so then I got into punk rock, and that was pretty much it for me. It was going, it went from punk rock to listening to the college stations out in Chicago, listening to Fast and Loud on Saturday nights. Uh, No. Yep. I did classic rock Q101. Um, so it was 97.9 The Loop and then Q101. And then it just got progressively darker from there and I stopped listening to radio because it wasn't playing what I like to hear. Uh-huh. See, I, I, I don't... Yeah, I listen to nothing. I li- I enjoy classic rock. If I'm going to turn on the radio, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, but if if I'm not listening to radio, yeah, the stuff I'm listening to ain't on the radio. No. But that's just me. So we have a second message. and th- Oh, this is... Th- this... This is a, a, a dissertation coming in here at, at two minutes and 28 seconds. Oh, boy. So, Prep, uh, this literally just came in less than an hour ago. So, this is Todd, and it says, uh, this is some of the, I'll just let you know before we go in, because this is that wonderful Google voice. His name is Todd. He's a new agent, Sigma Claire, and just getting started with that. So... <laughs> Agent Sigma Claire. I love you, Google Voice. Coming in at you. Uh, I will hit play on this and enjoy this bit of... I haven't even listened to this yet, so this is... Because it literally came while we were playing. So here we go. Yes, my name is Todd. I'm a new uh, Agent Sigma player. Just getting started within the past month. I'm 
very excited about the game. I see a lot, a lot of potential with it. I really like the game mechanics and storyline behind it. Uh, both uh, you, David, and Alex have been a, a great inspiration in motivating me to get involved in the game. You've um, answered a lot of questions for me and listening through the different podcasts on uh, particularly the lore of the game. <clears throat> but uh, one thing I really wanted to just cover real quick, and maybe you guys can send some light on this, because sounds like Alex in particular kind of has his inside track on a lot of what's going on in uh, Games Workshop and this new edition. Um, and I'm kind of in a little bit of a dilemma as I move forward with these changes in um, the second edition as far as what purchases I'm going to be making next. Um, one thing in particular is as of today, which is the 22nd of June, I went on to the Games Workshop website to look up the Stormcast Eternal Battle Tome. It's actually a dead link on their site. And it got started getting me thinking, um, well, perhaps this is about to be updated, but I see no news anywhere um, saying that that's actually the case. Um, it kind of makes sense, though, with everything that's going on. But um, then it raises the question of, well, when's that going to happen? And if that is what's going to happen, are other armies going to be affected, too? So it's created kind of a dilemma for me as uh, what I should do next as far as my purchases go because uh, what I was really thinking I would do is, you know, probably buy the Stormcast Eternal Battle Tome and maybe even the uh, Fire Slayers Battle Tome and start planning the purchases for my next armies based upon, you know, what the uh, information that's contained in there, um, particularly with the different battalions. Um, so I don't want to buy old editions, but I certainly want to buy whatever new editions are coming out if that is the case. And I just want to see what you guys, what your advice is on that, on how you would proceed in my case. Uh, thanks a lot. Have a great evening and keep doing what you guys do. You're doing great. Thanks. Okay. Um, you want me to take this one? No, I got it. Okay. Um, so I mean, thank you for your voicemail. Um, I know this is kind of a weird time of flux right now with the game and everything. Um, I mean, I am a playtester with Workshop, so obviously I have limits on what I can and cannot say. Um, but regardless, uh, with Stormcast and everything, realistically, buy the models that you want to play with. Um, buy the models that you think are cool. You've got a ton coming out with the Soul Wars box, with Malign Sorcery, with the GHB 2018, like you've got enough purchases to sustain you. And as we go through our review of the content, you're going to want all three of these things. Yeah. The Malign Sorceries, the Handbook, and the Soul Wars. Right. And if, Soul, and if Stormcast is one of your armies, you're going to want the new stuff in this box. So you will have plenty to keep yourself busy. Um, I've always found that if you see a battle tome go off like they don't have it anymore that probably means there's a new one coming i mean that's just been the history of it i don't know if and when these new books are coming out that information i don't have um right. but 
I looked at this, and I was honestly surprised that when all the pre-order stuff came out that you didn't see a Stormcast book and a Night Haunt book, because these are all new models with all new stuff. Mm-hmm. And usually, when you get all new models with all new rules, you get a new book. When I saw the Stormcast one go on, last chance to buy, and now, as he just said today, apparently, maybe they're all gone, but he it said it's a dead link. You can't even order it. Um, and that was literally today. Because yeah. said it was the twenty second. Uh, my guess is, yeah. There, I mean, it's not like they're going to stop selling Stormcast books. So no. if the book, if the book's not available right now, it's there's my. That's my guess is you're going to be able to get a new one, and it's probably going to be sooner rather than later. They're not going to put out a bunch of new models with nothing to support it. That yeah. would be bananas. And realistically, I think the correct answer is just to maybe hold for a second. You've got a ton of stuff at the end of the month with Soul Wars. With malign sorcery, you've got enough to sustain you for right now, and I don't see them dropping any of the other new books and coming out with replacement books for other armies. Only because, and I don't know any of this. Like I said, and I'm not asking you, Alex, because I know you can't talk about whatever it is. Um, they've got enough armies that haven't gotten a book yet, where I would expect that those Stormcast are an exception because they've. What, they've had three books already? This, yeah. So if they, if they are coming out with another one, it'd be their fourth. Yeah. Um, but the other ones, you know, there's so much things, so many things coming out. I, I wouldn't, like you mentioned, you mentioned Fire Slayers. I wouldn't expect a new Fire Slayers book to be coming out anytime soon. Uh, and that's just my guess. Once again, I do not know what the release schedule is going to be. Um, but the only thing I would say is, yeah, hold off. Don't worry about the Stormcast because they're not... If you can't buy a book now, um, that's not like there's not there's got to be a book coming soon that they're going to have. Yeah, and even in the GHB, they have a bunch of new unit entries that we haven't seen. Yeah, um, for both Night Haunt and for Stormcast. So realistically, just hang on a second. I think you'll be fine. Um, yeah, dude, you've got okay. And full disclosure, GW sent us Soul Wars and the Malign Sorcery and the GHB. And um, that's all we've seen, and that's all we know. There is so much here to keep you occupied. Um, you're going to, I mean, okay, if you have no intention of playing Stormcast or Night Haunts, you could just buy the core rule the book core rule and be book done with it. And be done with that. Th- that will hold you for a while between that and the GHB and the. Yeah, and the, if, oh. now if you're a match play gamer and that's an important thing to you, then you may just want to wait for the GHB to see the points values and then help guide your purchases from there if that's something that's important to you. Yeah. Um, but if you're an open player, then just paint the stuff you like. Yeah. Yeah. Just... Uh, I, we're going to get to it later, but I'm, I've been... I haven't even finished reading all of this stuff. There's I'm so overwhelmed and it's so much good. I have not come across anything yet that... Uh, that I have negative to say, with the one ex- with one small exception, and um, we'll talk about that when we get to the modeling portion of this. <laughs> um, but this is just so good. We need to take a break. We're twenty minutes into the show, and we just getting past all the intros and the voicemails. Yeah, let's take a break, and when we come back, we will do a quick news and toolbox, and then get into the chitty chat chat. Mm-hmm.
That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chess X Dice and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted board and miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Orc Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we are back with the Garage Hammer News Network. So, what do we talk about? Um, okay. Um, there's a lot of stuff out, and everybody knows it already. Like, the news portion of this is pretty... Actually, okay. Uh, this is going to release... Uh, the 25th. Yeah, so this Saturday... You can pick up Soul Wars. You can pick up the General's Handbook. You can pick up Malign Sorcery. Malign Sorcery. You can pick up the Objective Markers. You can pick up the Wound new mortals. easy to build the new easy to build kits, the Command Dice, the Terrain Dice, the new Combat Gauge. Sean, you need five. Yeah, <laughs> you know who I'm talking to, Sean. Um, Same with you, Jake. You guys need a bunch too. There, there is so much stuff coming. There out. is. Um. I forgot. I was looking at it. If you order like one of everything, you're that you're that's uh oh, and you can get the uh, the GHB has the the Warlord edition too, which comes with counters and dials and cards and yeah, a lot of extra stuff. Now, are those cards the same open play cards that the, are the pr- previous open play cards? No, it's different. Okay, because I love the open play cards. Yeah, I don't think they've changed. It's the cards for like the triumphs. Um, the Triumph and Treachery, the new scenario cards, because um, there's a ton of new scenarios in the book. Right. So it's one of those things that you may not need it, but I enjoy it. I did buy one. So Yeah, I ordered one too. Yeah. Um, because I wanted all those extra tidbits. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's really nice. And they've got a lot of extra features on there, different objective markers, uh, range rulers. Because uh, the 9-inch thing is going to be a very big deal. So yes. having 9-inch sticks is a thing. Oh, there's so much coming. I mean, th- that's what this whole episode's ab- about, basically, is mm-hmm. all this new stuff coming out. Um, we're not even going to cover nearly everything. No. Um, it's just there's too much. And right now we're not going to get it into the usual depth because there's just so much to cover. We're, it's over. It's really overwhelming. Like, yeah, there's there's ugh. a lot to keep track of with the new game. Yeah. It's it's very exciting. Uh I will say uh as a, as a preview to later in the show, this is really hitting on all cylinders. I yes. said I'm I'm loving all of it. Not that anybody who listens to this show is surprised no. that I'm really loving it. Um you're rolling your eyes right now. I can hear it. Not you Alex, just all the listeners. There's a universal rolling of eyes yes. going on right now. Um but I ain't wrong either. No. <laughs> like, no. This is this. Uh, we had our. I had my first game today with Alex, and we just used the the Soul War set. Yeah, there's the starter kits, and I'm just, this is like a completely new game all of a sudden. But it's still familiar. Yeah, but it's exciting. But there's so much going on, and we did, and we just used the start. We didn't even drop in 
all the cool extras. It's this. Yeah, is, we played with the new terrain. Um, yeah, but we didn't play with like the realmscapes or anything like or that. The, or the endless spells. We just played with what came in the soul. Yeah, wars. we really didn't even use any of the artifacts. Um, no, we, we literally just, just took. We just played in. mechanics. Yeah. So. Oh, crazy. So um, honestly, that's it for the news. You have to. I mean that. This is all coming out. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Uh, if you Everybody's been, talking about if it. If this is the first you're hearing about it, where have you been? Yes, there's a very special rock you live under, which I'm sure is very nice. They did open the, the what's ageofsigmar.com? Ageofsigmar.com. They've got Stormcast, uh, their podcast, other oh, yeah, the Stormcast YouTube show. Um, so, I mean, they're putting out the content fast and furious, and then all the other podcasters. Uh, so, like, Healing Hammer, Face Hammer. Um, there's a lot of guys that have been putting out a lot of content. Yeah, like everybody is covering the the new stuff right now. Um, honestly, there's so many shows covering the mechanics and the new. I I'm not even like li- I listen to Face Hammers, um, and I did listen to Healing Hammer, but Healing Hammer just really kind of covered it. Really, they just talked about the release and how they're excited, and then they had some interviews and stuff. Face Hammer went into some depth on the mechanics, and it was really good. But, I mean, everybody's doing it, and I just, I'm not going to listen to the same yeah. coverage. Yeah, like I mean, six their times. malign sorcery has a couple whoops a doodles in it, but it was, I haven't even gotten to that one yet. Yeah. There's so much stuff going on. But it's okay. There's just, I think the big thing is like those of us that are even familiar with this game um, within the second edition, there's still just that much to cover. Yeah. So, I, 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 when this was first coming out, I was sort of kind of. Even before getting anything, just sort of planning. Okay, what are we going to cover? We'll see what new lore is in the book. We'll see what they how they cover that, and we'll just we'll talk over the new. And there's so much, like it's still the same rules, but just the tweaks. It's not just tweaks any. I mean, they've ugh, it's it's crazy. Like you, it, we can't just sit down and cover it quickly or run through stuff. We'll, you have to take some time to do a deep dive, and we're not even ready to do all of that yet. No. And we're not going to do all that today. Um, because there is so much, we'll let you guys get get your books, and we'll we're going to spend the next couple of months just picking all this stuff apart. I have a feeling, yes. And so, um, you want to jump into the toolbox? Yeah, and that is brought to you by who? Chaos Arc Superstar. Chaos Arc Superstar. Chaos Arc Superstar. Chaos Arc Superstar. Yeah. What hobby have you been doing? Um. Well. It's been kind of all over the place. I've been working on I don't know Deepkin. I put or I finished painting up two of the shipwrecks. I assembled a bunch of eels and I put together two of the alapexes, the sharks. Oh yeah, yeah. How those go together? Um, it was an interesting experience. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, because I don't like the flight stands that GW's been using. Right, the curved ones with the hook on the top. Uh-huh. Uh, so I used brass rod for my eels and for my alapexes. So that's been a fun experience. Is this the first time you're using brass rod? How's it working out for you? It's fine. Yep. It's a drill. It's nothing crazy. Um, but with the alapex, how it hooks up, there's um, like a cutout on its tummy guts uh-huh. where it's got that little bar to sit in the flight stand. Ah, okay. So I had to cut out that and then fill it in with green stuff and then drill into the green stuff for the spot for the rod because oh. it's a hollow fish otherwise. Oh, okay. So it needed a good attach point and it fits on fine. It's not a big deal, but no, it's been fun to uh, get those things together. I'm looking forward to painting them 
if I have the chutzpah to do it because those things are like model intimidation. Chutzpah! All right. Yeah. And then I'm actually working on uh, moving my goblins from the Moon Clan. You're still selling them. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got? Let the listeners know. So it's a ton. Um, it's well over a thousand dollars worth of product. Um, bunch of characters, twelve trogoths, like a hundred and forty-ish Moon Clan grots, twenty squigs. Like, there's a bunch of stuff. I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna keep it and then strip it. It's this way I can start over. So you aren't gonna sell it now. I don't think so. Oh, unless someone says, "Hey." Yo, I want to I want to take it. And it's like, okay, fine. But I think what I want to do cuz it's not that I don't love the army or anything and I think it is really good going into AOS 2. It is a much better spot than it was. Um I want to AOSify it. I want to take it to 11. And I do I've done a Moon Clan army for years, every year with a new edition or a new book. So, I want to do this right, like make it look closer to the Fungoid Cave Shaman. Okay. Um, so definitely take it up a notch and that's what I want to do. That's why I'm getting rid of it or rehashing whatever. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff and I've been doing a bit of a hobby purge. Otherwise getting rid of extraneous projects, make room for new stuff. Um, cause there's a lot of new stuff coming, even just with the soul wars box and malign sorcery. I just need to start clearing out the stuff that's not getting done. I'm literally just, uh, Paint up a little bit of the Ultramarines because I want to get stuff ready for when I play um, at uh, Ryan Nichols tournament in September. Oh, sure. But other than that, it's literally, I mean, I'm just doing rebasing and painting the new stuff for my undead army and Stormcast. And just when I thought I was starting to get close to getting caught up, all this stuff comes out and I'm just like, oh, I'm so, uh, there's a million things again. I'm so behind again. Mm-hmm. I've been painting, uh, are you done? I'm sorry. I don't mean No, that. I'm good. Okay. Uh, well, we got this, I built and primed the Soul War set and the Malign Sorcery set, um, but I haven't gone past priming it because I've been spending lots of hours go slowly and carefully painting up Nagash. Yes. Um, I've been following the Duncan Rhodes video. Um, I'm at that point where I'm still working on the capes, and um, I know I'm on the Nagash body doing the the sleeves, but it's still that, okay, you did the one color, now you got the other color coming the other way, and now you've got the three-to-one mix of medium with the wash, and you're doing the coats to to get that... The gradient. The gradient blend. And it's like you you, you put it on, you got to wait 20 minutes for it to dry, then you do another coat, you got to wait 20 minutes for it to dry. I'm not working on anything else right now just because I want to keep focused on him. Um, but so it takes like 12 coats. So it's like several hours of just kind of doing that and waiting and going back to it and waiting and looking at other stuff. Um, it's coming along though. And it's actually, it's I'm looking good. I'm thank you. I'm very pleased with what I'm seeing. And, um, I don't know if I'm going to do a whole night haunts army, but these models that I just got are so nice and they're, they've got that similar look to the, to the cloak. To Nagash's cloak. So I feel like I can kind of take the stuff I learned from Vince. Um, Ventrella. Vince Ventrella. Yeah, at, at Adepticon, I could probably take some of the techniques he taught me and do a similar sort of fading, you know, from the dark to the to the spectral on them. So 
I have no idea what I want to... I want to get a, this Death Army going. I was planning on just rebasing and repainting all my skeletons and using that, but this stuff looks so nice and it matches up with him so well. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to just do that? So I have no idea. All I know is there's a lot of stuff coming and the two armies I have, it's all for that. So I'm just like, dear goodness. Yes. Uh, there's just so much to do. There is. But I, I, after Adepticon, I was doing stuff for about a week or two, and then I dropped off. And I literally dropped off with senior finals and then regular finals and then Disney. I didn't do any hobby for like five or six weeks. Yeah, that sounds about right for me, too, yeah, between lo- England and all the other trips. Yeah. So I lost a big chunk of all what I was doing. But since I got back from Disney last Sunday, uh, I've been doing almost doing something every night, like spending some either building or priming or painting this. Uh, so I'm really on a hobby high right now. I've never been a fast painter. I don't know mm-hmm. that I'm going to be a fast painter ever. Um, but I'm very proud of the fact that the stuff I'm doing now is like the Stormcast I did. My of The Stormcast that I have are pretty much the best paint jobs I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Like they're not super fantastic. There's not a whole lot of, you know, fading and blending, but they're clean and they look really nice. And I did some decals, and it's like the first time I've done that. It's good. Now I'm working on the gosh, and this is a, another a, another step up from that. Yeah, so I'm very pleased with that. They're getting better. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be in any contention for a best painted award no. still, but. It's it's looking good. Mm-hmm. Like you know, there it's it's better than it's been. So yeah, the effort shows. Uh, I'm just I'm I'm pleased with it. The only problem that I've got, and this is what we were talking about earlier. Um, first of all, I put all of these night haunts together, and I glued it all together. And I know it says push fit, but I glued everything together. Yeah, and then they're all slot of bases, and I put them in the bases. And then I'm sitting here going, "Oh my god, I just put all these in the bases," and then I'm looking at all these custom cobblestone bases I made for the skeletons I want to keep it the same throughout the whole army I'm literally going to have to cut these things off at the base and where they have these very precarious joints I'm going to have to find a way to pin them into these bases I'm making Ega uh, 10 points Dave Huh? 10 points thank you it's just uh, it's it's going to be work but I just I, I, I know I say it a lot I, I when I go to tournaments and stuff, the guys I hang out with are like always up for contention for best painted. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, you know, like I like you look. I mean, Rotor won best painted like two years in a row at at uh, Wapaka. You know, um, last year you were just looking at all the different tournaments, all those guys getting best painted, and then I've got my stuff there hanging out next to him. And it's like, oh, this look. So it's like I'm not trying to get to that level, but I'd like to get to a level where. Um, when they're all looking at stuff that they look at it and they're like, oh, that's actually look, it's good, you know. <laughs> like I just, I, I don't, I just want to be in the same ballpark, you know. Mm-hmm. Like because right now I'm not even, it's I'm not in the same ballpark. I'm not in the same sport. Yeah. At this, point, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, if it's baseball's the comparison, you could be at t-ball, which is pretty close. Yeah, really, yeah, pee wee little league. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody gets a, I get a participation trophy. Uh, no. Is Harrison asleep? He no. was playing on the computer. He needs like 90 hours of sleep a night or else he's cranky and he only got like six last night. So I thought uh-huh. he, I literally thought he passed out at 8 o'clock. So, all right. Um, 
that's it for my hobby too. Um, and we'll talk about our game. Yeah. Later, uh, I don't have really any other gaming because I was waiting for you to come by so we could try this. Mm-hmm. I, I had so much fun. I know. <laughs> uh, that's it. So, you got any other? Anything you've been doing that's interesting? Um, let's see. Carrie and I just finished uh, season five of Orange is the New Black. Um, that's one that's been sitting in my queue forever. I've never watched it. It's good? It's good. It's got some weird moments. Season two is a little wackadoo. But, um, no, that was a good show. And then um, I've actually been prepping for another tournament because reasons. Um, <laughs> except I'm running this one. It's uh, Dragonfall. So that's going to be in October in Elmhurst. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's pretty close. Um, we're going to do a two-day tournament, and we're going to do something different. It's going to be uh, everyone has to bring their own terrain. Okay. So everyone's got to bring five pieces of terrain, uh, and then that's going to move with you from table to table. Oh, so this cool. way, it's because we did it at the South Coast. It was a really awesome experience to do that, and you just set it up in a mutually agreeable manner. And you've got 10 pieces of terrain on the table then. Yeah. Which is a good amount for this game. Yeah, that'll Oh, work. yeah, for sure. So... Uh, so it's just been planning of that, um, and obviously I can't release the rules pack until uh, second edition drops, but right. um, that'll be coming shortly, so check it out, dragonfall.com. Um, wow. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else uh, in particular that I've been getting up to. Um, the answer's no. It's been pretty chill, pretty quiet. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Um. What have I been doing? Um, I'm 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 listening to a new audiobook called "Be More Chill," and it's short. It's only like five hours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little weird. Uh, it's about a kid in high school who's kind of a neurotic, geeky sort of. So something you can't relate to at I all. I totally can relate. Yeah, exactly. Um, there, there's there's. There's a bit of language and a bit of weird sexy stuff going on because he's like most high school boys. He's kind of obsessed with that stuff. Um, But basically, he's a total nerd and he meets this guy uh, and the guy basically tells him that he took this pill that's got like a computer in it or nanites or some weird stuff. I don't quite remember exactly. I'm still listening to it. But what would you say? There's basically a supercomputer in a pill form and he takes it and it lodges itself inside him and it talks to him. And it tells him how to be cool. Like it tells him what to do and and what rea- and things to do. And suddenly, this guy went from kind of a nobody to really cool. And I'm just assuming now because I'm only a part way into it that this kid's going to get a pill too. Harrison introduced me to this. Him and his friends were really new. apparently they made a musical out of this book. Um, and it's not a Broadway thing, but he, uh-huh. him and his friends are really into it. But it's you know teaching high school too. This high school kid takes a pill to be really cool. And, of course, I can only assume that it goes like most sitcoms. And and now that he's really cool, he makes stupid mistakes and ignores his old dorky friends and stuff like that. But, you know, it's just it's something that I'm listening to and reading, wondering that, you know, hey, maybe I can actually maybe this is something that I can uh, that I can recommend or show with some of my students in makeup lit because it looks like something that they might actually be interested in. Yeah, it so, sounds interesting. It's it's weird, but it it grabbed my attention. So I'm going with that. Um, other than that, uh, I went to go see The Incredibles 2. We took the kids to see that. It's better than The Incredibles. It, it I, I'm not joking. Honestly, uh-huh. I, I, did you like The Incredibles? Um, for what it was, yeah. See, I loved The Incredibles. I really. It's one of my. It's one of my favorite Pixar films. 
14 years later we get a sequel and they did a really they they knocked it out of the park i really had a great time i'm looking forward to seeing it again i liked it quite a bit um and then other than that harrison is now old enough where he can watch archer without me telling him he can't watch archer um that so he started watching it and i'm down here painting and he puts it on and so i have you know i've seen it all but i've never gone back and watched it again from the beginning that show is just wrong that show is not appropriate for anyone no. of any age. It is no. so wrong, but it is so funny. I love that show. Yeah. It's so dumb, um, but it's oh, it's so bad. So that's we've been. I've been rewatching, and Harrison's been watching Archer. So have you been keeping up with Westworld? I okay. I've only got like four episodes into the new season. Okay. Uh, I know I have like six or seven episodes to go, um, and I. I, I watch it when I can because when mm-hmm. the kids are around, I really can't. Although no. Har- Harrison could, I mean, yeah, he's old enough sure. he could, but he's not interested. Like he hasn't been watching it, so he doesn't know what's going on. And when I put it on, he's like, "What's like?" You know what I'm saying? You have to watch it, though. right? So he hasn't seen season one, so he's not interested. Oh, so so completely lost. when we're both down here, he's like, "Can we watch something that uh, that I'm not completely lost and not enjoying because I'm not don't know what's going on?" So I, I do have to catch up, but. I, I've seen your little tweets like, oh, my gosh, wow, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, was the season finale last Sunday or is it's it this Sunday? Sunday? It's this Sunday. So, yeah, I, I'm never going to catch up. It's in like the an day. hour and a half yeah. season finale. So I don't know, it had some weird moments, but it's. I am loving what I'm watching so far, though. I It's one of those things where they're jumping back and forth in, in, in time a bit. Um, and it's only a couple of weeks, but they're jumping back and forth as we're seeing what's happening. It's a little confusing, but I am really loving this show. Yeah. It got to the point where, for me, the Madam storyline is more interesting than Dolores. Okay. But, eh. It's swinging around. No, it's 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 really good. And I love Ed Harris in it. And I, I love watching his storyline and seeing... Yeah. Ed... It's nice to see Ed doing something again and to play this gritty of a character completely yeah. suits his style. Uh, all those scenes going into, and I'm not going to spoil it, but the scenes with uh, the old guy who ran, the guy who used to run the company. Anthony Hopkins. No, no, no. The guy who. Oh, Del- or, uh, what's yeah. his name? Ed Harris is the guy he took over the company yeah. from. Delnor. That, yeah. That's just. I mean, and the way they laid it out, too, I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, this mm-hmm. is, this show is just messing with your head every episode. Single episode, yep. Uh, and I keep hearing people saying, oh, just try, you know, like making jokes. He's just spending all his time trying to figure out what's going on in Westworld. I like a show like this. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not like Lost where they show you a lot of stuff and they're not paying it off. You know, they're paying it off. Every episode, there's a little, there's another layer mm-hmm. that they're peeling back. Another layer peeling back. Loving this show. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's about it. So, yeah. All right, you want to take a break and then we'll come back and start talking about all the fun we're having with this game. Yes, sir. Um, guys, this is. I ain't even gonna lie. This is gonna be scattershot. This is gonna yeah. be just first impressions, talking about what we've seen, what we do. We can go over the rules. Uh, you know, or at the, least the, the basic big rules. changes. Yes, yeah. Um, but we're not. This is not a deep dive episode. Um, we'll be putting out a bunch uh, of content, and we'll probably have some long episodes. Really jumping in. Um, who knows 
we may even break up on format and do many things just to get stuff where we're putting put out so that way as we record them we put them out and um not have to put out six hour chunks because i'm killing alex doing that <laughs> yeah i mean summer's easier for me because it's really slow at work but folks there's still just so much to cover uh yeah so we're gonna take a break and then we're going to come back and then we're going to talk AOS 2. Hey guys, this is Chris Tomlin from The Black Sun, and you're listening to Garage Hammer. And we are back, and here we go. Age of Sigmar, core book, definitive guide to the world's greatest fantasy miniatures game. That's what it says on the cover. Yeah. So the Soul Wars have begun. The Realm Gate Wars are over. They've been over yeah. for a while now. It's just kind of cool that I, I just, we went from the Realm Gate Wars to the Soul Wars. The, the, there's always war. <laughs> well... Yeah, in the grim darkness of the mortal realms. But, um, no, realistically, um, this is something that we've been looking forward to is to advance the narrative, to advance the storyline. Um, we've had some world building following the Rumgate Wars. Civilization has started to come back into the mortal realms. And now we're moving on to the next stage, and it's Nagash. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about a bit of this in Malign Sorcery. We went over the stuff with the with the a little bit because it just gave the very tip of the Black Pyramid, as it were, with the grave dust and all that stuff that we've mm-hmm. talked about. The moving and all the things he's doing, and now his plan has sort of come to fruition. Sort of, kinda, not really. It has to a point, but now there's unintended consequences because. Why wouldn't there be? Because they always manage to mess things up for him. Yes. It's so funny that the Skaven, of all things, become just the complete bane of his existence. It's almost every time that he is on the verge of his master plan succeeding, the Skaven mess it up. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who got the weapon in there and, and got him before, and now they're monk monkey wrenching the whole thing on him again it's i think it's just the dichotomy or the dichotomy between the two one is the end of everything and skaven is life multiplied and let loose yeah so they're always going to be in balance and it has to be of all things Mm -hmm. the most uncooperative (laughs) unorganized thing that spoils perfect organization yeah no, it's it's great. Now, I just want to cover a little bit about the book. First of all, it's so gorgeous. Yeah, the this is a big boy book. Um, 
This is Age of Sigmar reaching its maturity. Um, 320 pages of, of the core rulebook. AOS goodness. And how much of this is background? Most of it, Most actually. Of it. Um, uh, let's see. I'm just I'm flipping up to... No, this is not including all the new art, the new layout to this book, because um, it's com- laid out completely different than anything we've seen thus far. The art is different. The text is better. And then just the quality of the storyline and the development of each of these armies and f- even the micro factions within the forces of order or death or whatever. Introducing how you actually start to play the game. Um, the, the, the big page that says fire and thunder, like the double page picture, is on page 220 mm-hmm. of 320. So you have 220 pages of lore and information about the realms and information about all the different factions. And then you've got less than half of that in the rules. And when we talk about the rules, I just want to point out, it's core rules, battle plans, then we get to uh, a bunch of allegiance abilities. For the generic grand alliances. The generic grand alliances, the realms rules. Some endless spells info. Open play gets. Uh, they get a good chunk in there. Hold on. What is open play gets? Let's see. Uh, Ten. Uh, about sixteen pages. Seventeen pages. Which, when open play is literally just play however you want, sixteen pages is kind of it's much. a healthy amount. I mean, that's five percent of the book. Mm-hmm. You know, and the, the, that's. Kind of when you when you think how in general simple open play can be, you're like, oh wow, okay. Then narrative gaming comes in for what ten the sea, ten pages on that, but then you get siege warfare for a bunch of pages. So that's still narrative though. Still narrative. Triumph and treachery. Still comes narrative in. and multiplayer. Uh, matched play games literally only gets about twelve pages. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot in the handbook. Yeah, the GHB has a lot of that, but just, I mean, for just how to play, you know, yeah, I mean, they, everything, actually, once you get past the rules and the allegiance abilities and the realm abilities, open play, match play, and narrative play each get about 12 pages, Mm -hmm. which make it, I I don't don't have a problem with this, like, you know, um, because that's how how to do these things is not what's important. Like it's there's enough to talk about the different things you can do. I mean, the GHB has a ton of stuff. Like the matched play section for GHB has gotten bigger, got bigger than it was in the in the previous ones. Mm-hmm. But for the core rule book, it's lore and then the the big the, the overarching rules, and then. A small section for each on how you want to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this book. I yeah. just keep finding myself picking it up and flipping through it. I haven't read all of it yet. Yeah, we've not dived into this book like completely in depth, folks. But just the overall impression of what you get from this game, I think this is a better book than the 40K rulebook. Well, okay, I'm I'm more invested in the lore here. Yeah, I know, um, but still, like layout, yeah, overall look and feel. This feels like it's the best book. Yeah, I I will I will say that, and it's not 
it's not a thing of AOS versus 40K. It's not. It's just this is so... Now, I have flipped through stuff, and um, there's a, some cool stuff that I do want to point out. Um, you do have a lot of this beginning stuff where they're going over the like, – like they've literally got the sections for the Age of Myth. And you've got some of the old artwork and some new artwork. And, I mean, some of this, it's like two paragraphs on a page and just big, beautiful Massive artwork. Massive picture, yeah. Um, much of this, like Age of Myth stuff, we'll talk about the different realms and talk about things that happen. Um, a lot of this, if you've read – all the other stuff. If you've gone through the books and you've had the other campaign books, mm-hmm. this is recapping. Yeah, it's a it's a brief rehash. It's a brief recap. Um, it's still done really well. If you've not got all those old books and don't want to go back and buy all the old campaign books because that's not what you're interested in, this gives you enough in these brief recaps to keep to get. There's enough here that you get your you got your uh, a solid footing. Mm-hmm. Um. A lot of stuff that I've read before, but it's nice when you get the recaps. You get from the Age of Chaos, you get the Age of Myth, then the uh, Dominion of Chaos. You get the Age of Sigmar coming in, um, the God Beasts. I mean, all the old books, the, right. the, the main the main campaign books, are all covered. Like, what happened, the summaries are all in here. Um where it gets interesting is when you get up about 60, 70 pages into it, and then the malign portents mm-hmm. stuff gets in here. Suddenly, you're seeing the uh, Eidneth the Deepkin are showing up, all the stuff that's going on. Uh, and then, seriously, 70 pages in, you hit the Necroquake. Mm-hmm. And that has brought you up to... Pretty much where the Soul Wars start. Where the Soul Wars start. Uh, that talks a bit about the endless spells and how they kind of, st- like, wow, the magic is going wonky. Mm-hmm. This is a fun couple of pages. Just how yep. it goes. Like, even the, mag- even the magicians, the wizards are like, oh, what is happening? They're casting spells that get out of their control and then entire, like, entire um, schools of magic. Like, they're sending out their wizards to. All right, you guys got to go stop these things. Like somebody's got to go in and work together to stop this crazy magic that's rampaging across the lands. Yeah, and they set up like spell bounty hunters, as it were. Yeah, to try to catch all of these spells, and a lot of them have like even names beyond "it's a purple sun." Right. It's, um, there's one in one of the scenarios for malign sorcery. I think his name is like Malgorax or something like that. Um. Yeah, because the spell has gotten so out of control and caused so much damage, and people have tried to get rid of it and have failed. That that particular, it may, like you said, it may be a purple sun, but it's got its own name now and its mm-hmm. own like legend of what it's been doing behind it. Bananas, yeah, just bananas. Um, there's a whole section on the mortal realms, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. So they have of, a lot of maps. Yes, the uh, the. The the map of the layout, which we if if you've been following the the, the websites and stuff, when who was it who explained this? Phil, yeah, when it was Phil, Phil Kelly, when Phil Kelly explained it, that, those maps are on here. Um, the spheres of existence going through these types of things, what's going on, and then they go through every realm gets a couple of you know anywhere from four to six pages mm-hmm. uh, per realm about like what it's like there. Um, 
yeah. points of interest, interesting things that have been going on. Each one gets a big map. Um, there's yep. little, and what's great is when you see this huge map, and then you see all the little pinpoints, which are the things that we've covered in those earlier books from the mm-hmm. Gate Wars, and you're like, these are just little, tiny areas in huge sprawling maps. Yeah, there's, it's. This is what I've been waiting for: is the world building and putting more definition to the mortal realms beyond the Battle of the Brimstone Peninsula. It's like, what else is around the Brimstone Peninsula? How is this significant? How does this develop? Yeah, and what I like about this, I, I was I was talking with uh, Adam Fassel, Loopy on uh, on a, he he does a forty k podcast, and they're totally narrative focused, you know. Mm-hmm. And he asked me if I would come on and talk a little bit about AOS. And the as much as I love the world that was, they had filled that world out as much as they were going to. They weren't going into Araby or those other places. They could have done Araby. They could have done Ind. They could have done Nippon. But what, what could right. it have done? What could you have added? Right. Those were basically more realms of men. And we already had the Empire... And there Bretonians. Was, and, yeah, so there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of room to go out and play there. I mean, the, the, I, I remember when I was started playing it, the, the things that got the most out there of people doing their own things was when they would do that place where Sigmar came from and the people who worshipped the god that Sigmar worshipped before he became a god, and I can't even remember his name now. Ulrich. Yeah. The people who, who worshipped him. That was where you would see someone sort of stretching out, but most of the stuff... I mean, it was already so well-defined. Mm-hmm. And here, you've got all these realms, and they're sprawling. This is the this is the thing that I loved best from 40K when yeah. I started playing it that we never had. It was the one thing, because I prefer the fantasy to the sci-fi aspect, but it's the one thing I never really got, which was everything was so well-defined, there was nowhere to go play. Here, I can come into a realm just like if you're going to pick your... Um, your different Tyranids or your different Space Marines, and say, "Oh, this is a different, uh, you know, sub chapter off on a different planet." I can do make up whatever I want for a different group in a different a- area of the realm. There's so much unexplored that I can make up my own stuff here, and I think that in- that increases your involvement, oh, your uh-huh. enmeshment, your immersion into this game is to create your own story. And I think this is what is drawing some of the 40k players to play, other than the beautiful models and the fact that it's a fun and easy game to play, I think this is one of the things that's drawing the forty some of the 40K players and drawing some of the other players back is you, you can pick an army that you like the models for and do whatever you want with it and write your own backstory, and you're not confined... Yeah. To, and this is not a knock on the world that was. I love the old world. I loved Warhammer Fantasy. Um, but I, I said it before, and I got grief for it during that wrap-up show when I said it, and I'll say it again. Blowing up the old world was the best thing they ever did for Fantasy because yeah. they opened up so much Right. And it's one do. thing now with like army building because you can build by Grand Alliance. You can develop your own cosmopolitan area. You can develop your own city for the order. You can develop your own background for whatever you want, and it gives you that now. And if that's not your thing, 
you can just be like, hey, I'm Stormcast and I am the hammers of I'm painting it just like it looks on the cover and I'm sticking with what they what they've got here because I like the story they wrote and that's not I don't feel like writing my own story. I just want to play the game. Mm-hmm. There's enough there that they wrote that you can do exactly what's written there and not have to. But I know so many people, and it, I don't. And I don't. It's not just a Midwest thing. I mean, we no. got some maniacs here who really go overboard with this stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of these people who want to write your own thing and do your own thing, you, you can't have now. It now. You have that ability, and this, this is what's so great that has come across here. And we've done all this, and we're still only on page one seventeen, one eighteen. I do like all the additional art in here and the renditions. Like the one thing that grabbed me first looking at this was the renditions of all the wizards from the schools of magic. So say they're not just a bro in a cape with a stick. There's actually like full definition of what these wizards look like taken to another degree. Because they do look kind of crazy. Like, like, okay, your, your fire mages still look like your fire mages. You know, they've got everything sort of red and sort of stuff, but they have different, like this guy's holding a big flaming sensor and stuff. It's not, like you said, it's not just an orb and a staff. Um, you know, the one from the realm of life, like has this whole thing growing, like literally looks like mm-hmm. trees and stuff growing out of the top of their shoulders on the, over their head yeah. on their clothes. Um, the, oh, this, uh, it's just... It's crazy. Everyone is very unique. It's really yeah. great. And they do throw a shout out to the winds of magic because that is still something that's there. It's the manifestation of all the realms and the magic therein. So you still have that bit of a tie and then that mm-hmm. bit of area for exploration. Well, th- that's what they're created from, which is great. And if you're new to this, I know some people have even sent emails and messages that they've come over either from 40K or they're coming back. And they're, well, we had in the voicemails, hey, we're excited to hear about this new lore. You know, this is a continuation of the old story. The world that was when Archeon destroyed it, you know, we had the, the, the magic from the chaos gates pouring through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Teclas and them had split up the magic into the eight essential parts. And when the world blew up, that's how these realms came to be formed from just it's, it's solidified magic from mm-hmm. the different, uh, you, know, uh, you know, realms and, or pieces of magic. So not only do you have the each realm is basically representative of one of the eight lords of magic. Um What's really cool is because it is so infused with it, and it's not like everyone's walking around as a wizard, mm-hmm. but it's so infused with magic that it affects the lives of the people that live there. The people who live in Akshi are hot-tempered, rugged, just really, you know, people in the realm of life live long. They're really hardy people. Mm-hmm. Um, the realm of beasts, every it's, it's, very, it's kind of very violent. Everything grows big. Big and savage, and even just the people... Um, where they talk about it, that they're more barbarian and warlike. You, plus you, you're at conception as you're growing. It's in the it's it's in the air. You're it's infused in everything. It's infused in you. You may not be wielding magic, but that it's affecting you. It's it, it is a part of your um your your nature. It's a part mm-hmm. of the actual essence of where you live. It's in. It's in the air. It's in the water. It's in the earth. 
uh, it's that's so cool. I'm having so much fun with this. Like, I kind of wish I was a better hobbyist sculptor thing, and I would be like, oh, I could take them from this place. Amen. I just, in fact, I was chit chatting on uh, Messenger with um, with um, I think it was I forget who I was talking to. But they were showing me pictures of what they're going to be doing, and they're doing um, the night haunts. But they've got—it's more of a pinkish purple color, and it has that glowy color. But it's not the same greenish, whitish that everyone else is doing. Yeah, and it's just—it's from a different realm, and this is the color that that is infused in it. And it's just something that little. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to go into a whole deep dive into explaining every little thing, but it's like I don't I want to make my own thing up and run with it and you there's you can find a place and a reason for all of it. It's mm-hmm. there's so much potential. And I'm flipping through this book going, "Wow, we are going to see especially with all the hobbyists who and you see people already talk about, I can't wait till this comes out. I've got ideas. We are going to see some off the wall um, over the top armies and hobby. Army. Oh, I can't wait to see the kind of stuff we're going to see. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't take anything away from people who, like I said, I am not that creative. I am going to be a hundred percent honest. Um, when I look at what they do, if you look at any, even when I started painting the Arcanauts, when I thought I was going to do KO, when I was going to do overlords, um, what's the color scheme you're using, Dave, the one on the cover. Why? Because the one on the cover is the one, honestly, if you look through their, the battle tomes, you see all the variations, but the one they put on the cover is usually, in my opinion, kind of the coolest, and that's just my opinion, mm-hmm. but it just works. Like, I went with Hammers of Sigmar. Why? They showed me different pictures. I said, that golden blue works for me. No. It works. It's awesome. The coolest looking one is the Celestial Knights. Which is? Or no, not the Celestial Knights. That's the one I do. Uh no, no, Hollowed Knights, which is the silver and blue. Okay, you okay? Gold or silver, both work. I was having this whole conversation with Rotor. Um, I'm a f- big fan of the highly metallic, shiny um, ones. You can go with the other color schemes. They just they don't quite do it for me. It doesn't jump off the page mm-hmm. and jump off the model as much as it. But I loved, like I said, my Arcanauts were the purple and brown. The Barracknar. Yeah, the Barracknar. My uh, my death army looks like the Nagash on the box and the stuff on the covers. My Stormcast are Hammers of Sigmar. Because uh, I don't necessarily want to come up and figure out all these And I'm not that good at it. I ain't going to lie. Um, so I just go with what's on there. And it still works. It's still fun. It's still great. Uh, just I, I should shut up at this point. I just But there is... It's the first time where I really felt like not. I mean, I knew I could do anything in AOS one, but now it feels like you have more license, right? Because they've given me all, they've laid out the places so well Mm -hmm. that now it's like, yeah, I could make up anything, but I didn't know how it fit. Yeah, now you have more of a place to fit it. Right, that's it. And I'm always looking for a place to fit it. So, um, so now the next section of the book. Is the factions of the mortal realms. And this is great. They literally start off with forces of order. And, oh, look, four to six pages of Stormcast Eternals. Then pages, a couple pages of Fire Slayers. A couple pages of Overlords. A couple pages of Sylvaneth. Daughters of Cain. You get a quick 
recap a couple of pages, just giving you sort of a summary of what was in the books if they got a book. Or even from the Grand Alliance books. Yeah. There's some of that background that carried over. Mm-hmm. And, but it's putting it all together and being able to tie it all together in one place within the Forces of Order next to the Forces of Chaos. So it's just being able to put that together, giving a bit of an expansion on what you already know and what you're familiar with. And um, I, I haven't had time to read it, and I was literally trying to do it today, but I just didn't have time. Um, and I'm looking at the Seraphon one because they came out with that story. Oh, yeah, the spaceship. Where inside the spaceship they had the the breeding pools or whatever they call them. Spawning pools. Spawning pools. And they basically, uh, the one skink was looking out over uh, a, a city, a, a jungle the size of a city. Inside the spaceship. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, look, they're back to the spawning pools. They've got this. Um, I read it and I was confused. I'm not going to lie. Because I thought they were all these celestial, you know, these demons of light, you know, almost like angels coming down that the Slan just remembered. And so if they just remembered them, then why do they need this unless they found a way to make it? I'm glad that this is here to people who like their jungles. I just want to see how it, how that ties into what they've already said. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about that this morning. I was or this afternoon. I was talking about it with you. Yeah. Um, they could just retcon it and be like, "Nope, that's not how it works at all. It was totally misunderstood." But the bo- whole book said that's how it went. So I'm just wondering how it fix it in. As I open it up and I'm just looking at it right here, Seraphon, and it's like uh, it talks about the elves believe them to be from another time. Um, the Powerful, the slender are powerful enough to keep the memory of them and their war gods alive. Some say they have vessels that can sail between worlds and that they have fought the arch enemies of the, the dark gods in a dozen other realities. There are even theories that the Seraphon, somewhat like the demons of chaos, are conjured from raw emotion. Not those of the mortal realms, but of beasts or the primordial races of an unknowable order that existed before humans first crawled from the caves. So they're already sort of working in that maybe... We don't really know exactly how it is. They could be creatures. They could not be. And it's, um, I mean, giving something that they could expand on if they wanted to. Sure. And letting people that have the tie to Lustria to the old world have something more. Yes. And they needed to do that with Seraphon, I think, really. I love the idea of how the Seraphon work, but I understand the people who I know who play them. Um, Felt a little, I don't want to say cheated, but it's... No, kind, it's the right word. It's hard to build off of that. Mm-hmm. that. It's hard to build something out of nothing when it's so vastly different than what it was. Because, like, Free Guild, they're still Free Guild. They're still humans from settlements of order. Yeah. That is something that they it are. It may not be the old empire. It may not necessarily be Germanic anymore. But it's still the same concept with right. seraphon they've uprooted everything yeah and replaced it with something that didn't feel familiar didn't feel air quotes right i mean i love the fact that the, that that all those hints that we got over the years i mean when you saw the stories that they were created first by the by the old ones yeah and that those things might be spaceships and you saw all the weird necron marks on their stuff and then at the end of the you know at the end times when those when those ziggurats took up and were actually spaceships i'm like yes that's so cool but now you're like those spaceships have been flying around for however long and it like you said it's completely i would i would not mind seeing that some of those spaceships had 
all of the different creatures on it. Because I mean, even when they took off in the, in the in the end times, they didn't just have a slant on each. They had a lot of these creatures. Mm-hmm. They could have kept breeding and kept going in there. It would be nice to see if maybe on some in some of these realms, if some of these places, some of these ships landed and they actually set up shop. Set up, yeah, and started actually recreating and building their race back up. I have no problem with Slan just remembering stuff. The ones that are still out in space doing their thing. It would be nice if they. I just want to see how they merge this with that story because mm-hmm. there's a definite hint there. Who knows? Maybe we'll get a new Seraphon book. I mean, that would be really cool because. I mean, I'd rather see a new Seraphon book before a new Elf book. I'm just going to throw that out there just because I'd like to irritate all the listeners who are, are mad that they don't have a book yet. And now I'm give, saying, let's give a second book. Elves have had two books in a row. That's, That's fine. true. That's true. We still don't have no free guild and we still don't have no dispossessed. Um, but that's okay. <laughs> Nerd. Ah, you know, hey, everybody wants their book, and I, you know, I just, like I said, I don't even care if the the Seraphon Letters get a whole new book or not, but I would like to see their story sort of. I think it'd be nice for the people who play them who miss all that cool jungle stuff. Yeah. Um, but you could even do that if you wanted to do a Seraphon army and you wanted to tie it to a particular realm. You can set that up now. Yeah. Oh, hey, guess what? This ship landed here and had a bunch of this stuff in it and had the DNA stuff. And and maybe they're terraforming and changing the land to something more hospitable to them. Sure. And that, boom, there you go. You're on. And that's, once again, with the realms the way they're working now, I can do that and not have someone be like, that's not how it works. We don't know because it's so big and so sprawling. Let's see, Forces of Order, Forces of Chaos goes through all these guys, and the artwork is just so good again. Uh, Everybody get a couple of pages. Yeah, I think this book is one of those that we can talk about it, but until you hold it in your hands and really see the depth of everything, the new art is just amazing. And when you get to it, folks, you'll understand why this is hard for us to describe in words. Yeah. And like I said, okay, so it's a two-page recap of the Caradron Overlords, and you've already read the whole Caradron Overlords battle to them. Why would I need this? Well, A, once again, if, you, if you're just coming to it now, the recaps are still good, and they drop new little nuggets in there. It's not pure recap. A lot of these guys have new little nuggets because the other great thing that came from, from this is there's a, there's a living story. It's the one thing that people who used who I know who played War Machine and Hordes and that were like, well, at least our story's moving. It's not the same stagnant thing for for. This is incredible. This is fantastic. Yeah, they're giving us what, what we didn't know when you know three years ago when the big change happened and we went. Ugh! We didn't know that we were getting kind of exactly what we wanted, but we're kind of getting exactly what we asked for. Yeah. Maybe not in the form we wanted, but this book is it. I, yes. Ugh. I'm, I'm gushing, and I don't know what else to do because, like I said, we're not deep diving, but I just, as I'm, I'm flipping the pages, Forces of Destruction, and they're talking about this. Everyone's got a bit. So much artwork. So much, so many pictures of these models. Um, it's like I said, it's not until you get to page 220 where we start to get into the rules. And, um, I don't know. Why don't we take a, like a, just a quick little break here. Um, I, I have, I have to pee and, um, we'll do that and then we'll come back and you want to discuss the core rules? 
Yeah, we I think we should, should. at the very least do that. I mean, we can't go into all the rules for all the realms. I mean, who knows? We have we might have time. Heck, we've only we're only an hour and fifteen into the show. So. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think we should definitely touch the realm rules because I think, like some people said, oh man, we'll never use those for events or anything. It's like, uh, uh-uh. oh sure, no, we got to use them. Yeah, like this is a part of the game now, so we should talk about it because I don't think they've really been talked about yet. So no. we should let's do it. All right, so we're gonna go maybe do a little musical interlude or something, and then we'll be back um, with core rules and realm rules. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well, then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. And we are back talking the core rules of Age of Sigmar 2. That we are. That we are. Now, already, change is happening. And change can be a good thing. It's an adjustment. Um, And there's some very subtle but very significant changes to how this game is played now. So there is a lot going on that we have to keep track of. Yes. Because we even had that in our game that we just played. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we did play. Uh, I had my first game of Age of Sigmar 2. Um, the same is not to be said for Alex. <laughs> no. <laughs> but we just we just took the Soul, Soul War set. Uh, Alex took the Stormcast. I took... The uh, I took the Night Haunts, mm-hmm. and it's it's such a different game while still being the same game. Yeah, um, it's it's. I don't want to keep using the word exciting, but it's sort of refreshing. Like I yes. feel like I'm. I feel like I got something completely new. Like, you know, I knew I knew how the every phase worked. I knew how everything went. I had. An army that I, you know, I could fall back on. This is my two. If I don't have anything new built or I'm not trying anything new, I've got my two thousand points here. I know exactly how to use it. That's all out the window. Like there's the mm-hmm. learning time is back. It's it's like that. It's like that brand new love, like that yes. new romance. That feel that's not like anything else. Um. Now. Um. Well, let's talk about the thing that has been garnering questions. First Uh-oh. of all, and that is the rolling off to see who gets the first turn. 
Um, now, grammatically, I could understand where people say this could mean one of two things. Mm-hmm. Grammatically, you are correct. Um, but it was explained on the Warhammer TV when they yep. were live. Um Yes, a period and a new sentence or moving this last part of the last sentence to the beginning would completely clarify this. Grammatically, it's it's ambiguous. But basically, at the start of every battle round, players roll off and the winner decides who takes the first turn. If the roll off is a tie, the player who went first in the last battle round gets to choose who goes first in this one. So mm-hmm. before you, you know... We all know how the battle rounds work. You roll, uh, you know, after, after turn one, you each roll, and whoever wins the roll gets to decide if they want to go first or second. So you can get a double turn, mm-hmm. potentially. Uh, and on ties, you just re-rolled. Now ties go to player one. Yes. So it's a little less chance to get the double turn. And that's fine. Absolutely. Um but after it says this, it says, the player who went first in the last battle round can choose who goes first in this one. But... If it is the first battle round, the player that finished setting up their army first chooses who has the first turn. Mm-hmm. Now, because of the butt and the moving back, it could sound like you still roll off and for, the on, first. And, and on, for the first turn and on a tie, the person who finished setting up first gets to choose. But that is not what they meant. Mm-hmm. All right? You only roll off for turns two through five and ties go to the first player in the last round basically first round still works whoever finished setting up first gets to choose who goes first mm-hmm. that's it first who first finished setting up gets to choose first turn after that then you roll and tie goes to the player who went first it's right. actually very simple i can see where grammatically it might be a question but this was answered uh who answered it i forget who answered it but i don't think it was ben johnson I it don't might remember. have been, but it, it doesn't even matter. The fact is, it was explained mm-hmm. live on the Warhammer TV from the people who designed the game. Yeah, and that's that's what it is. Will mm-hmm. they FAQ it and clarify it or errata it? Probably because people are asking. Yeah, but I'm just, if you're listening to this, I've answered it for you, <laughs> and you, that's what matters. I heard <laughs> it from Dave. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm just t- I'm telling you what GW has publicly already said. So yep. there you go. Um. We still have the six six phases. Yeah. There's one other thing that we should address oh, yep. on here on the core rules. Choose general. Oh, yes. Um, so they've added this, which is once you have finished setting up all your units, nominate one of your models to be the general. And if your general is slain, pick another model from your army to become your new general. Now, that's for the basic rules. That does not exist in match play. No, it, that's right. It does not. So, open, open narrative, war, narrative, or if you just want to use this rule, you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, heck, when we play narrative, we 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 go with points half the time anyway. You know, right? So, just to provide the background, but, right? But like you said, exactly. Um, if you're if you're playing matched play, you only have the one general, and if he dies, you are generalless. Yes. But in here, and that you know what for the narrative or for open play, or if you're just lo- teaching somebody, yeah, because your general gets so many bonuses. So many of these things say if you're within X amount of inches of your general, right? To have someone else step, in, someone else would step in, 
yeah. if you're playing in you know any any movie where there's an army when the, you know Sarge just bought it looks like you're the sergeant now like somebody's mm-hmm. gonna step in chain of command right. and take over. I actually like the rule, especially mm-hmm. for teaching people how to play. If you lose your general, suddenly many of the bonuses that you're gonna see because I, I mean based on what I've played here, there's a whole lot of stuff. Generals have bubbles. Yes. And to yeah. lose that hurts. Mm-hmm. So uh that's I think that's a good I think that's a good thing. I have no beef with that. I can see why they wouldn't do it in matched play. Yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of people are like, Oh man, well it's in the rule books. Um Oh. Okay. Um so in any event, um it's something that I think a lot of people don't understand the unintended consequences of that because if you throw your general out to die, you would then pick a new command trait for your general or roll for a new command trait. So you get to pimp your command trait to your opponent. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, wow. See, play testers. This is what's cool having you here because after all of this happens, it's like, oh, I never even would have thought of that. But you've been playing this stuff through. That's It's one of those things that I don't know if necessarily that would fit for match play no and in fact like you said that you could abuse that i mm-hmm. did never thought i i would have never thought to do that and not because i'm just i'm just a nice guy but i'm not that clever either yeah oh well that i would just think you just get he is the general in name for the bonuses i would not even think about all that extra stuff the, you know getting the new command tra- oh yeah this guy i don't like what he There's does an extra bit to it um as a person who's going to be running tournaments do you have to? You still have to name your general. Mm-hmm. All right, so you, yeah, because I could see because here it says after you're set up, pick a general. I could see, yeah, you come to the table if you want to be. Ooh, you know what? I picked the wrong stuff. I'm gonna make this wimpy hero the general. Like you said, run him forward, let him get killed, and then get my good guy who would normally be the general, and he can get, like you said, new. It's one of those things that the example that I can give is like if you have a Isharan Tidecaster. As your general playing Deepkin, use that to flip the chart over and then suicide them out to get shot because you have to shoot the closest thing. And then suddenly Voltornis is your general on a high tide turn two. Yeah, that's nasty, isn't it? That's uh-huh. really nasty. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's one of those things that it leads to a lot of wackety situations. So, I don't know. But no, it's something it's- that is worth mentioning because it is a con a bit of a conversation piece. Mm, interesting. I did. I hadn't see, I saw that and they said, you don't do that in match play. And I said, well, it makes sense. You wouldn't do it in match play. You get well, a general. And he doesn't, I never thought about. Yeah. And how realistically could, with how, how the command abilities that. work now, your general and them having the command trait distinguishes them more and the increase of effectiveness and range of the command abilities is enough. To distinguish them out, and then the secondary guys can still lead up. They're just not as good at it. Uh, nice, yeah. Well, that's because anybody who has a command ability can use a command ability. If it's your it's... general. But there are some command abilities that say if this model is your general. Oh, okay, right. Like the Achillean Kings, Voltornis, um, Archeon, etc. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay. There's so many layers. Yes. It's like an onion. A delicious, yummy onion. <laughs> All right. So um, should we jump into the hero phase? 
Yeah. Uh, so the biggest change here is the command point system. Uh, this is something that's been in 40K since mm-hmm. uh, 8th edition, really. And uh, it's been... In 40K, it got... A, I th- Part of the reason I stopped playing 40K was because it got a little out of whack with the CP farming and the detachment system. It just didn't jive with me. So with the command points here, it's really simple. You get one at the start of your turn, which is a very big thing because you may get the first, you may not get the first turn. You may not have a command point for um, inspiring presence or something like that when someone alpha strikes. So you do have to keep that in mind. Um, But command abilities only cost one point to get off. um, And then you can use the command points as many times as you can based on your command points. And if it's a once per type situation. Right. But if it says, oh, during the combat phase, pick a unit and give them all plus one to their attack characteristic. Yeah, that's the Knight of Shrouds. Right. Like we played. If I had two command points, I could literally use that twice mm-hmm. on two units during or the Or twice turn. on the same unit. Oh. Oh. And you can do that? Yeah. Doesn't say you can't. Oh, that's true. I was I was thinking more along the lines of you can't duplicate spells on people and things like that. Mm-mm. Oh, wow. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you have a War Scroll Battalion, mm-hmm. you start the game with an extra point. So if you have a Battalion, even if you haven't had your first turn yet, do you have that one there? Yeah, you start the game. With so you start the point. game with one. And um, then if you're 50 points, for every 50 points you're under you get another one at the start of the game. Now, do you actually have to... Do you spend it on it? Like, is it, So if I just come in at 1950, I've just got one. I don't have to put yeah. it in my list, 50 points, command point. Yeah. So it's, if I come in like 150 under, I start with three. Yeah, but then you're 150 points worth of models less. Well, yeah. So that's a lot, but then that also counts for triumphs in match play. Um, so if I come in 100 points under, I have two command points, and I'm probably going to get a triumph. Because it doesn't count as points spent. Uh-huh. So, okay. Okay. I wasn't thinking about that because I was literally thinking you would put it in your list. I'm taking you know, 50 points for co- a command point. It almost seems like you do in writing it because you block those points out, but it is not built into your list as a cost. Interesting. So a War Scroll Battalion at 100 points, you're starting a game with three command points even before you get your first turn. So they're there. Yeah. So there's, there is a, a good reason to take a battalion or to throw, keep maybe 50 points in, in reserve. So if you don't get that first turn... Yeah, it really also depends on what your army is and what it benefits from. If you're playing a small, high leadership army, you may not need the battalion or the 50 points under. Um, but if you have a lot of command abilities that are quintessential to your army's success... You may start under to try to get units to try to get units back if you're playing death, or to summon new units for playing death, or just a myriad of other things. So the game starts, and you might have some command points, but you get one every turn. Um, every one of your turns. Your turn. So it's not a battle round. So yeah, it's not at the start of the battle round when your turn starts. If your turn is second, then you're. Mm-hmm. So if I go first and you double turn me, I got one then, and then you're getting two turns before I get another one because it's yeah. when my turn starts. Okay, and 
I can use as many as I have. And well, I'm, I didn't use on my first turn because my one guy, I didn't need, I was far enough back. I didn't need the right. inspiring presence anybody. Mm-hmm. And on turn two, I failed to charge. I used one to re, to do one, and then I used his command ability to give them the extra attack. So yep. I used two on that second turn. So this, it, it's an extra layer of resource management yes. that you don't have to pay attention to, but it's one of those things that it can make up for getting stuck on a dice roll or something like that. And so now you, you used to just have inspiring presence if you As didn't the basic command ability. Yeah, if you didn't have if your general doesn't have one on his war scroll, he has it. So it's still the same thing. Pick uh it's not just pick any unit. They've got to be within six inches of a hero or twelve inches of the general. Yep. Uh and you can at the start of the and you don't spend it till the start of the battle shock phase. Correct. You don't have to name it during this phase. Mm-hmm. So Basically, if you've got a command point during the Battleshock phase, if they're near within six inches of a hero or 12 inches of a hero, that's the general. Yep. And it actually says a hero that is a general. So if you do one of those things where you pick, I've got a unit of 40 orcs and I just pick a generic orc in there to be my general, mm-hmm. this doesn't work, does it? Or it doesn't get the, because he's not a hero. Can you still pick just a general non-hero? Yeah, because in the basic rules it says choose general, nominate one of the models you've set up to be the general. So if you so pick open a non-narrative play, you could do that. Okay, but if it's a friendly hero, that's a general, which is what you're going to see in most situations. Right. Then you get the uh, bonus there, and it's only for that phase. So it doesn't last until your next hero phase. It's only for that one battle shock phase. Yeah. So it doesn't last. So if you play it and then you get double turn like yeah i play it first you double turn me and so the thing i dropped on the beginning of turn one doesn't last till the end of turn two anymore yeah um so that's a big deal and then it is a double-edged sword because like it is a good thing Mm -hmm. because you don't have to declare which units inspiring presence because if i have two units of 60 grats i inspiring presence one of them you're just going to beat the snot out of the other one yeah, so you wait until the battle shock phase. Whoever took the biggest beating says no. Right. Fair. See? Yeah, I like that. Um, what are the other ones we got? Uh, so we've got at the double. So this is, you can use this after you make a run roll for a friendly unit or hero. Unit that has been six of a friendly hero or 12 of a friendly general that's a hero. Um, if you do so, the run roll is treated as being a six. So you get to see the number first and then decide if you want to kick it to a six. Yeah. So it's not like you're locked into it and you rolled a six anyway. So that's cool bit of... The command points are very valuable, so they're giving you that opportunity to only use them when you know you need them. Correct. It's it's it's, it's well it's well done. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is a personal favorite of mine, forward to victory. Um, so you can use this command ability after you make a charge roll for a friendly unit that's in six of a hero or 12 of a friendly hero that is a general. If you do so, re-roll the charge roll. Bing. Yeah. It's one of those things that if you need to make a long charge to try to get in on an objective or to even just get a unit into combat, or if you botch that three-inch charge, you now have a little bit of a recourse And it's for not it. a failed charge roll. I could be three inches away mm-hmm. and roll a five, but there's that unit that I can go past that unit, and I really want a chance to get to that unit that's ten inches away. Yep. I can do the re-roll. I could... I could roll it up again and be like, mm-hmm. look, you know, yeah, I got to this, but I really want to get to there. Yeah. So it's not just a fail roll. It's mm-hmm. it. It's at that moment 
when you needed it, you right. can get it. And that's literally what happened to me. I needed, I think, a six, and I rolled a three. Mm-hmm. I was like, ugh, no, nope, I'm going to redo this. Yeah. So that's the command abilities in the hero phase. You've also got your casting spells. Yeah. And that not that hasn't changed terribly much um, <laughs> as far as casting spells. changed a bit. It has. The spells have changed. And the dispel range has yeah. gone to 30 inches from 18, which is it's huge. It's 30 inches and does not require line of sight. Oh, right. So that is a big deal. You can keep your wizards kind of safe um, so they're not super squishy um, and getting shot out right away. Never mind lookout, sir, or whatever. Um, so it's the same kind of thing uh, with regards to the amount of spells um, and how to cast them. It's still rolling 2d6, and you have to beat it by rolling the unbind. Um, they did change Arcane Bolt and Mystic Shield. Um, so with Arcane Bolt, it still goes on a 5 Pick an enemy unit with an 18, they take a mortal wound, and if you roll a 10 or more, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. So it's like Smite from 40k. Yep. Uh, similar mechanic, similar theory. Um, but it was one of those things that, like, okay, it's one mortal wound, but one of the base spells should not be one of the best spells right? in the game. And that's what you saw a lot. People just kick around uh, D3 mortal wounds on a 5 instead of using... Their cool, unique thing. Right. So it's nice to see that. And then it's the same thing with the shield. Um, it's cast value 6. If successfully cast, pick a friendly unit and then 18. That they can see. Um, reroll save rolls of 1. Now, it's not the plus 1 to save. Which I understand some people are not happy with that one. This is huge. This it changes is. the dynamics of just about everything. Mm-hmm. Um now, what's interesting is this actually works better for, like, the death that I was playing with everything mm-hmm. was being ethereal. It's a four-up save or whatever the save is, um, and you can't adjust it. So Mystic Shield in that, since it says you can't adjust it, was completely useless. useless. Now you can reroll ones. Well, that's better. Um, it also tones down some of the silliness with my Stormcast Eternals where I get, the, you know, the fours become threes, and then I throw them in, in, in cover or I got the... Staunch defender. Staunch defender. Now it's two lantern. Yeah, this is all on a dragon, so it heals wounds on four pluses. Right. It's just there are some things that it just made negative game experiences. Um, and again, one of the base spells should not be one of the best spells. I literally only put in a an, wizard, an for ally Mystic wizard for Mystic Shield because it made this. It made especially the liberators just an. I mean, the, the the heaviest of anvils. Like, they just sit there. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, oh, it's just a re-rolling one. So I'm still only saving on a four. So if someone's got some rend, I, I'll still need the other things. I still need cover. But I'm not able to get it down to a one, I think, anymore. Standing in the open. Yeah. So that's actually really good. I mean, they're still good. Yes. You just, it's like you said, it's, the, it's not the best thing in the game anymore. It's not... Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I mean, unless you had something really specifically designed that you needed to use for your army, mm-hmm. that's what you saw, Mystic Shields and Arcane Bolts. You you ain't wrong. So um, I like those changes. Yeah. Uh, it, it works very well. Now, sometimes, now you have units of wizards, too, it mentions in here. Yeah, we've had units of wizards existing for a while. Uh, Pink Horrors, yep. Doomfire Warlocks, etc. Um, 
So for this one, it does specify that when you cast or unbind with the unit, you have to pick a model that is casting or unbinding it for purposes of uh, distance and visibility. So um, now for unbinding, would you have to be within range of that particular model? So if you've got a whole unit and it can reach, you can pick one. The guy in the back. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're checking distances from that. If the unit is within 30 inches, but that particular guy is outside of 30, would you get to unbind? I would assume no, since you have to pick the guy who's actually casting it and dispelling it. I would think no. Mm -hmm. Because why would you? I mean, none of these guys are casting. The guy in the back is casting, and Mm -hmm. he's, yeah. So suddenly you're getting clever. You have to be. Yeah. It's and we're we're only in the first phase and all of these things that are so different now mm-hmm. that we're going to have to really take into account. Yeah. Um this is th- okay, this is like the first time that you and I played a- AOS and um I charged in and that unit that hadn't done anything suddenly piled in and I'm like, "Wait, what's going on here? Like they're within 3." Mhm. And I was like, wait, what? And I was, yeah, if you're within three, you pile in. I remember just like the light, the light bulb just shining on over my and as we're as we're discussing this and looking at it, I was like, oh wait, yeah. Oh, oh wait, yeah. Like mm-hmm. the the layers. Yes. <laughs> so much to it. Um and we could talk about endless spells here, um, if we wanted to. At least a brief touch. Sure, sure. Um so for the endless spells, um, there's a couple big things. A wizard can only cast one endless spell in the hero phase, and you can only unbind enemy or uh, spells during the hero phase is at the start of your hero phase instead of using a spell attempt. So if you summon, let's say, a spell portal in your turn, you can't dispel it because it's not at the start of your hero phase. So it's like if you summon a spell portal... right? And you throw hand of dust through it. Uh-huh. You can't then unbind that portal because you have to do it at the start of your hero phase. So that portal stays open until your until at least the next hero phase. You see what I'm saying? Okay. So now, do you have to cast all spells at the start of the hero phase? No, it's during the hero phase. During the hero phase, you cast spells and use command abilities as appropriate. Okay. So, but unbinding them has to happen at the start of the hero phase. Right. So, I mean, I can try to, I can. Can I try to stop you? Like if you're casting, yeah, it's it, like I can, a normal spell. I still have an unbind. If I if I have a wizard who can unbind a spell, I can try and unbind it as you're casting it. Right, but, but in later turns, in later turns, I stop at the very start of the hero phase before I use any of my command abilities mm-hmm. or anything else. That's when I have to do it. Yep. Now to dispel it at the start of the hero phase, you only have to match its casting value. I believe so. I think. So yeah, but that that's actually not bad because some of them cast pretty cheap. Yeah, like the snares are, or the soul shackle snares are only like a five, but the purple sun I think is an eight. Right, but if you if you got that five and you manage to cast it on a uh, you roll a ten and I don't beat it, mm-hmm. then later when I need to beat it, I just have to. Mm-hmm. I just have to match. Yep. What you're doing, but it has to be at the beginning. Now, um. What did I read? Um, 
So endless spells remain in play until it's removed from the battlefield. An endless spell can only be removed if a wizard dispels it. The endless spell crosses the edge of the battlefield. Or a method described in the model's war scroll is used to remove it from play. So here, a wizard can attempt to unbind an endless spell when it's initially cast as normal. In addition, they can attempt to dispel one endless spell at the start of each of their hero phases. If you attempt to dispel an endless spell, they can attempt to cast one less spell than normal that phase. So this doesn't actually count as your dispel because you're not dispelling. So it actually takes away, that's what I would think, it takes away from your ability to cast. Mm-hmm. So if you cast that thing and I want to get rid of it and I've got only one wizard who can only cast one spell, getting rid of it, that's my, that's my magic phase. Yep. Okay. That, I knew I read something like that. Mm-hmm. So when it's dispelled, it's removed from play. It can then be used again if it's successfully cast later in battle. So now you have to pay for these. For the endless spells, you do have to pay points. There are points for them in the GHB. So, but once you've paid for it, it's not just you can only cast it once. Once Correct. you've paid for it, you that, that's like you know it. You mm-hmm. can cast it all you want. Um, you can only cast now. Can you cast more than one endless spell per turn, or can you only cast more than one endless spell? Yes. But each wizard can only cast one endless spell. So if you've got Nagash and he can cast seven spells, he can only cast one endless spell. He can Correct. Pay. Okay. Okay. Just making sure I got it straight here. Yeah, and it's you have to beat the number for an unbind roll. Okay. So you have to roll higher than that eight okay. to unbind a purple sun. Nice. It's Once it gets on the table, it's on the table. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little... I mean, you got to get used to the rules for it. It's yep. not. It's not. It's not anything that's super complex. It's just you got to remember when it happens and how it happens. Mm-hmm. Because if you get in on the first, in the beginning of your turn, and you're like, "Okay, I'm using my inspiring presence." Okay, oh wait, I want to dispel it. Yeah. Now, I mean, you could be you could be nice and be like, "Go ahead and do it," if that's mm-hmm. what your plan was. But if you're sitting down by the rules, you've got to keep that in mind that right. that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, what else? Um, movement phase. Yeah. Um, I don't think much. There is one thing we should point out here is... The moving over terrain? Moving over terrain. That's, I, I did. I When I said there wasn't much, it was there. Um, so now if stuff's in your way uh, and it's two inches high, um, you got to move two inches up and then two inches down mm-hmm. when you get up the other side of it. So those little one-inch fences... Are now suddenly two inches off your movement. We'll take two inches off your movement. But you can just, you can go over them now. Yeah, you can hop right over. Yeah. Um, as long as you've got enough movement, you can go over pretty much anything, can't you? Yeah. And this also implies that you can climb over a tree, like a Sylvaneth Wildwood, like the tree itself. Uh-huh. Okay. If you've got the movement for it. Interesting. Hmm. I'm not certain when you'd necessarily want to do that, but you can. You can. Now, you can't start half... You can't go and stop halfway up stuff, can you? In the FAQ for AOS 1, you could. Okay. They had rules for, like, climbing, as it were. So if there's a building there and it's a tower, I can move halfway up and stop halfway... Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like it would be a big pain because where are you going to place the models and stuff like that? You just assume the position. Okay. Not in a weird way. <laughs> I didn't say anything. I know. I smiled, but I uh-huh. know. Um, yeah. So, but I, I like that. That's another. That's another addition that makes sense. How do I get over? What are the rules? Uh, look, it, it's simple. You want to go over stuff. You got to pay the. Mm-hmm. You got to pay the ups and the downs. Yep. 
You're not just floating over things. Okay. Um, shooting face. Yeah. There's some changes. Yes. A lot there of people are. already heard about this, and I I like this, and it's simple and it works. Um, an enemy can shoot when it's within three inches of the. Uh, or a unit can shoot when it's in three within three inches of the enemy. So you can still shoot even if you're in combat. But if it does so, it can only target the enemy units that are within three inches of it with its shooting attacks. It can shoot an enemy within three inches of another friendly unit without penalty. A unit can shoot it, yeah, without penalty. So if I'm shooting at, at a unit that's in combat with a different unit of mine, there's no, oh, I might hit my guys. Yeah, but you'd still have to take appropriate penalties. Like if you're shooting at a mirror drake, like a star drake with a uh-huh. mirror shield. You still deal with that minus two penalty. So right. this doesn't negate that. But you're not taking the penalty for shooting into combat. Shooting into combat. And if they're close up to you, if there's multiple units within three inches, you can pick which unit you want to shoot at. But mm-hmm. once they get within three inches, you gotta shoot at the guys that are right in front of you. Makes sense. Yep. Makes total sense. Um, look out, sir. Yes. Is back. I like this. Uh, minus one to hit rolls made from missile weapons if the target is a hero within three inches of an enemy unit that has three or more models. It does not apply if the hero is a monster. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, a giant, your dragon is not going to take a lookout, sir, from the guy standing next to it. They're not right. going to, yeah, because you're just going to shoot over their heads. Mm-hmm. But if you've got a regular hero within three inches of a unit, it's minus one to hit him because... If the unit's big enough because they kind of hide behind him. Three or more models. It's not that hard, you know... To do so, but if you're looking at, like, a... Uh, if you're in a spot where it's, like, a Dracoth Cav or... That two Dracoth in Varengard. front of your hero is not going to be enough. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to watch that. And then the other thing is uh, Lookout Sir still applies in combat, too. So even if you're in combat with a unit and a character, if you shoot that character, they can still get lookout, sir, if the conditions are met otherwise. Oh, oh, so you're right on top of them. But mm-hmm. if there's if I've still got my my friend my friendly unit is still within 3 inches yep. of me. I mean it makes sense. Yeah, sort of. I, I mean, yeah, when you're looking at the models on the table and my models in base-to-base with you yeah. and shooting at you, and you're like, nope, there's a, but that's just dudes jumping in the way, mm-hmm. you know? That's dudes keeping their keeping their leader safe. Exactly. So it may not look like it makes sense on the board, but... It does. Narrative-wise, it makes sense. Yes, which is what's more important anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? Charge phase. Did anything change in the charge phase? Um, not really. Um, the big thing is that you have to be within 12 inches of an enemy to charge, even though you get an extra half inch. Oh, so okay. you still have to be within 12 to charge. Okay. Um, oh, and something that we came up in our game during the shooting phase, and this is terrain-related rules, mm-hmm. but if a terrain is listed and its keywords as an obstacle... If it has a word saying that it is an obstacle... And um, it's... Between you and I, like mm-hmm. you don't have a clear shot at it, uh, you know, without being through the obstacle, um, it'll be you'll get a minus one to hit or a block line of sight, depending. Or a block line, yeah, but it'll depending it on what it is, yeah. yeah. 
So, but there are th- th- the terrain rules. Suddenly, you're reading the different terrain rules. Mm-hmm. Um, we just played with the basic six in the game. We just rolled up the pieces, but so many pieces of terrain have their own rules. Yeah, the individual uh, workshop kits have their own ter- have their own rules. Uh huh. And they're all in the uh, GHB. Yeah. So suddenly, you can literally go and play. Not if you've got terrain that you bought all from workshop workshop then you can skip the six basics and they all have their own special thing which may be a lot to keep track of but it can also Mm -hmm. be a lot of fun right because suddenly you're doing all sorts of wonky crazy things i love playing with the realm gates i'll throw guys through it i'll take that risk yeah it's a little different now but yeah but still there's still cool things you can do with Mm -hmm. all these bits of terrain um yeah so charge phase still works Pretty much the same. Combat phase, um, you pick a unit to fight or, well, it says or pass, but you can't pass while you still have units that have to fight. Correct. Basically, you have to fight now. Yes. There's none of this nonsense of, oh, I don't think I want to fight. You're standing right there in the middle of a battle. What do you mean you're not going to fight? Exactly. That happened with me, I think, two years ago at Akon. I was playing against a guy who was playing Sylvaneth, and he had a Lariel charge my Celestant on Drakoth with all the trick outs. And, um, you know, that failed saves. You know, if I uh, saved it with the shield, it did the mortal wound back, and he couldn't stop that. And he was doing all these hits, and I was failing a bunch of saves, and then making them on the second roll. And he's like, oh, wait a minute. This is dumb. Why am I attacking you then? And I'm like, you're not. So he was like, no, I'm not attacking, which made no sense in any real sense of the the man mm-hmm. you know but that was he realized that it was between my attacking him and me you know stop you know Alarial's getting that secondary save mm-hmm. he's like no I don't want to do it now you have to yeah um, um and then the pile in was another big change yes uh, so, so you're not getting base locked you can pile in around um as long as each model must finish its pile and move at least as close to the nearest enemy model as it was at the start of the move. So when I run my guys and they hit the front of that giant monster model with the big base, they can mm-hmm. slide along the base and make room for more guys. Yes. Which which is good. Um, and it makes more sense that they would try to swarm and overwhelm it. Right. Um, even in units where it's just a bunch of bodies against a bunch of bodies, it's nice to be able to sort of slide. I was doing that. I was sliding around the one guy to make room for more guys to come Mm -hmm. in. The only time you literally get locked into place is if you're in contact with two enemy models. Yeah. Because you can't really, you can't move over their bases to the other side of the base where it's touching and you can't stay in base to base if you're moving Mm -hmm. around with them. So, yeah. And, uh, we now measure base to base. Yes, that's a thing now. Measuring base to base is smart. It, it like I know there are some people that are like, well, it doesn't matter. It's the models, and it's like, no, it it really does. It makes a lot of difference. It, it's. It, I look at my Nagash model, and I'm like, where are you measuring from with all the different things swirling around him? That, that there's not a set play. It's like what whatever's closest on the ground. So if I got a good angle. I it's think the. Ar- I mean, it's just it's it's is dumb. Yeah, it's. Dumb. Um, I think the biggest example I have is Archeon, because all he attaches to the ground is by his tails. All oh, right. 
and he's in the middle of that wide base. Uh huh. So you, if you're going to be playing model to model, you have to scoot Archeon underneath the bases of other models, which just it looks sloppy. And I'm and not putting your models on my base because I've sat there and I've I've painted the base. I've done all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants you putting your models up on the base of the other models. Exactly. It just doesn't make sense. So um, we've got that. And then Battleshock phase. No big changes are like the Battleshock mechanic, but split units. This is a huge deal now. And I think a lot of people are going to miss this. Um, Because I certainly did in our game. I completely forgot about it. You only lost one model, but... But... That was important. Mm Mm-hmm. So, this is at the end of each turn. Each turn, mind you. You must remove models from any of the units in your army that are split up into two or more groups until only one group of models from that unit remains in place. This is like the cohesion, like staying within an inch of a friendly model. Which, you know what? Honestly, this works so much better than... In, in previously, if suddenly my unit was out of coherency, I could only move to get them back into coherency, which means if I had units attacking from both sides, then they were stuck. They couldn't because mm-hmm. they couldn't move at all because you can't move farther out of coherency. You can only move to get into coherency. Right. And should something from the middle be broken where because, I mean, during pile in, if they're within six inches, they could each move within three. Right. But now if they're over that, it was like, well, I'm stuck, uh, you know, d- depending on where you pick your models from. Um, and then you couldn't pile in, and then it made this whole messy rigmarole thing to the yeah. point where you had two groups of models being buffed by um, different things, whether that's like a blood secretor or you cast a buff spell on the unit. So it carries over into two different units, essentially. Um, and, like, conga lining was could be played as like a pretty negative player experience. Yep. This now punishes if you're going to conga line. So at during the battle shock phase, you have to keep removing models until everything's in coherency. Mhm. So what happened with you is you piled in and the guy who had you had three models, yep. almost like a triangle. Mhm. And the guy who you had allocated wounds to at first was sort of the tip of the triangle. Yep. And when he died, you looked down and you're like, "Let me grab let me have your you know, combat gauge. You're like, ooh, the guys are an inch and a half apart. Yeah. So you didn't even have to take the battle shock test because you passed it. Only one guy died. You had enough where he wasn't going to go. It's like, oh, this guy's still dead anyway. Because of coherency, yeah. Which, on a small thing like that where you lose one little model because he's out of the way, it's not a big deal. But when you do have a model or if you're spread out because you want to reach this guy mm-hmm. and get into there, that's that could be devastating especially yeah. as you pointed out with your uh the star drake right is the, the star drake? drake and the gargant actually has a pick a model you can pick a model or nagash has a pick a model if you're strung out with the hand of dust so you've got your just you have to be within an inch so each guy is just within an inch and you're at a 40 mil base and i pick out that one right in the middle Suddenly, your unit of 10, I picked out one, became nine, but now is going to go to five. Yes. Because the other four... Now, granted, if they get their pile in, and they can pile in, you can still avoid this if they haven't attacked yet. Mm -hmm. But we're talking in the Battleshock phase, if this is going on, that's... You fixed the conga lining issue with the simple rule. Like... 
conga lining is still a thing. Oh, sure. You just need to pay a lot more attention to it, and it's going to be a lot cleaner looking. And and like we said in the beginning of this, if suddenly you can't just start pulling stuff out of the middle because I still want to be connected here, but I still got to be fighting there. Right. And then suddenly you're doing because honestly, casting a spell on the unit when they're that far apart and they can't move, and you're doing everything that that would not normally happen with that unit. Mm-hmm. It's kind of malarkey. Yarp. And so it's it's boom. That's mm-hmm. done. That's pretty cool. And that's most of your basic rules, isn't it? Yeah, um, and then when you get down to attacking, because that's like what you do in this game, um, you have to pick um, for like multiple attacks. You have to do in order to resolve several attacks at once. All the attacks must be made by models from the same unit with the same type of weapon against the same target unit. If this is the case, make all of the hit rolls at the same time, then all the wound rolls, and then finally all the save rolls. Um, so if you're if if you like I piled in and I had all of my my little my twenty my unit of twenty whatever they're called chain gas yeah um they went in and they were with two separate units yep now you pick your it says you pick against the same unit so if I had something that had two weapons okay I'm gonna fight with the first weapon or if I had units that had multiple weapons in it like you have where you've got one guy's got a star soul mace and one guy's got regular mm-hmm. uh, regular hammer. I have all my hammers, and first I'm going to do my hammers against this unit. Then I do my hammers, still my hammers, against the other unit if I'm fighting multiple units. Mm-hmm. But you do all your hammers first, unit by unit, that they're in, that they're engaged in combat with. Then you go back and pick your other weapon, and you do the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's basically what we're saying, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know that actually... I mean, that's how I always did it, but that's... Now it's laid out because I suppose if I had was fighting as two different units, I could be like, "Well, these guys are going to hit this unit, and that with the hammers, and then my star soul maces are going to hit this unit because I could focus on the one unit, yeah, rather than focusing on the weapon and mm-hmm. getting through all of that first. Yeah, we have to focus on the weapon. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, keeps from mis- wait, wait, did I fight with the no? Did all the weapon, all the one weapon first, all the one weapon, the next weapon next. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you do have a champion with a different weapon, too, or a character with a different weapon that you, that lays out, we actually had a couple of different models with the rules in the war scroll. If that to, you know, when you allocate, allocate these first, and then if this, mm-hmm. then do this. So they're very specific. There's a yes. lot of very specific rules now about how you, what which weapons you're using and how you're using them. Right. Like the Knight of Shrouds is the primary example. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Mortal wounds, same thing. Um, spillover. It's nothing terribly different from there on in. And then the triumphs for the core rules have changed. They're now the ones that we've had uh, from the GHB, but there's a different condition on it. Okay. Because it says if your army won a major victory in its previous battle, you roll a dice um, to get that triumph. Whereas before, it was a different triumph table. It's now the same triumph table. Oh, okay. Right, right. So there is that small change there. Um, although there's different rules for getting triumphs in match play, as everyone knows. Yeah. In match play, it's just whoever, if any... If, it's if, less points. Yeah. If you have the same points, nobody gets a triumph. Right. And the triumphs are all the same, aren't they? There's the ones for battle inspired, ones for battle bloodthirsty, and one for battle indomitable. Yep. But they're all the same as yep. they were. Okay. 
Um, then speaking of terrain, <laughs> lovely segue. Um, so the scenery table, it's the same names of the scenery, but the effects are different. So you're looking at them and they're all within one inch now, not three or anything like that. If you're within an inch of the terrain, you are dealing with the effects of it. I like that better. Yes. Because, man, three inches was... It's kind of long if you're trying to avoid, with a lot of terrain on the table, trying to avoid something. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually in it. I'm almost as far away as I would be if I was, you know, just whether whether or not I'm in combat with something. And it would reach out there. Um, so what do we got here? Uh, we've got the damned terrain. Pick a friendly unit within one inch. To make a sacrifice, if you do so, take D3 mortal wounds and re-roll hit rolls of one Yeah, until your next hero phase. Mm-hmm. So that lasts quite a bit. Yeah, which was previously you add one to the hit rolls for that unit, um, but stuff with like that explodes on sixes and whatnot uh, just Gets got to silly. be really yeah. obnoxious with this. And then important safety feature says you pick one friendly unit to do the sacrifice. So you can even if you have like five things around this one piece of around any of the damn terrain features, then you only get one unit, even if there's multiple damn pieces. Yeah, if you've got three damn terrain and guys next to all of it, one, one. only. Gotcha. Uh Arcane plus one to casting and unbinding for wizards within an inch. Yep. Inspiring plus one to bravery for units within an inch, and that's all the units within an inch of yep. so as long as they're there. What else we got? Um, so we got deadly. So this one's different. You roll a dice for each unit that finishes a normal move or charge move within one inch of any deadly terrain features on a one that unit suffers D three mortal wounds. So on a normal move or a charge move, so a retreat doesn't count. That's a normal move. That is a normal. So basically, any movement. Mm-hmm. That ends within an inch of or on some deadly terrain. You're taking a test and roll. Oh, it's rolling one die, and it takes D3 mortal wounds. So it's no longer if you roll, roll a one. for every it, model. It doesn't have that anymore. Right, and you're not you're not rolling a one with Alariel going over a, a, a river, and suddenly she's dead. It's D3 mortal wounds. Sorry, Andrea. Um, but in any event, um, so that is a big change, but it also makes, uh, Sylvaneth Wildwoods more unique because they had that too, where you roll a dice for going through it. Right. Unless you were Sylvaneth. Now it makes them more unique instead of just deadly plus or minus. Gotcha. Nice. Um, so then mystical, this is all, this is one that hurt people. Or ruined games one way or the other. That messed me up a bunch of times. Because if you roll a one, it's no es bueno. You lose your turn, basically. If you roll a uh, two or better, it turns your unit into a you know group of murder monkeys. But <laughs> um, So this one now is roll a die each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to a model. Important safety feature there. Within an inch of any mystical terrain features and on a six plus, that wound is negated. So... If you only have one model within an inch and you want to use this six plus ward save, basically, yep. you have to start allocating to that guy. And once he's dead, if there's no other model within an inch, it's done. It's mm-hmm. not just all over the unit. You're not pulling other things away. Right. So you can get a, several of them next to it, and it, this can last for a while. Yeah, but, but you just have to pull the wounds as appropriate and pull the models as appropriate. Right. 
Uh, and then the last one is Sinister. This one used to be really complicated, where you had to be within three inches of the terrain feature, then you cause fear, and then the things that you're fighting with, if they don't cause fear, then they're minus one bravery. It was a lot of word salad there. Um, now it's just pure and simple. Uh, subtract one from the bravery characteristic of units while they're within an inch of Sinister terrain features. Boom. Done. It's just the opposite of inspiring, and that's yep. all it needs to be. Oh, and it does mention obstacles here. Yep, this is the fun part. And I think we said it, I might have said it a little bit wrong originally. Mm-hmm. So, um, when, a, when a missile weapon targets an enemy unit that has all of its models within an inch of an obstacle, then the target unit receives the benefit of cover if the attacking model is closer to the obstacle than it is to the target unit. So, in that one scenario where we had the guys up against uh, Forest, which was an obstacle, and the one guy you had clear line of sight to, but you were still closer to the Forest than him, he still gets that benefit of cover. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter for Nighthaunt, but right. for... But I'm saying for any of those... Yeah, it doesn't matter. For, but it basically, if you're clo- if the terrain is between us, and you're closer to the terrain, and I'm within an inch of it, I'm getting that... Bit of that cover. Bit of cover, which is... Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, once again, suddenly positioning, moving around these things takes precedence. Yeah. Uh, it takes a lot of important uh, movement to go through. Um, and then they put garrisoning in, into the core rules. Yes. This was previously on the war scrolls for each individual building. It's now in the core rules. Now, you can, you can garrison something right at the start of the battle if it's completely within your territory, or you can garrison a terrain feature instead of making a normal move if all of its models are within six inches of the terrain feature and there's no enemy models within three inches of the terrain feature or already garrisoning it. Mm-hmm. So you basically take you take the models off and they're inside the thing. So if you got buildings and yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it's one of those things that you have to be within six inches of it with all your models at the start of the movement phase. So you not can't move, move and then jump into the building as an extra bit of move. And, and no no, magically flying into the building because one no model No swift got reform close. into it. Right. Um, range and visibility is determined from the terrain feature instead. A garrisoning model can attack and be attacked, cast or unbind spells, use abilities, but cannot move. A uh, garrisoning unit counts as being in cover. If it's attacked, in addition, minus one from the hit rolls of attacks made against a garrisoning unit. So it counts as cover and minus one to hit. Mm-hmm. If it's Oh, well, yeah, it's harder to hit it because it's in the building and you get the cover. Makes sense. You can leave it in your movement phase. When it does, set it up so all models are within six inches of the terrain feature and more than three inches away from enemy models. This counts as their move. You can trap someone in a building. Yes. Because they got to be able to be completely within six inches and not within three inches of you. So if you get guys around a building, you've trapped them. Um, let's see. What else? Many terrain features that can be garrisoned include fat, flat areas upon which models can stand. Only garrisoning models can be placed or moved onto the flat areas. Other models that can fly can move over them but cannot finish the move or be placed on the area unless they are part of the garrison. Doing so is decorative. The models are so... So if you garrison a building, I can't fly my pigeons up and land them on top of the building because you're in the building. Correct. Makes sense. Um, some features can be garrisoned. Uh, it'll be noted in the war scroll. So your war scroll will tell you if you can garrison it. Yep. So you can't garrison a hill. Well, a hill isn't a terrain feature. Well, that's right. It isn't anymore. No, it's just... But you I, can't garrison a realm gate or something. Right. Um, 
so that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of the core rules. Um, there is one on here that we should mention, um, which is the save of dash. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is something that has been borrowed or pioneered in 40 K. Um, previously with save of dash, you couldn't modify it by any means. It was just dash because you had no save to modify. Um, so what this means is that you have to roll a seven or more. In most cases, that'll be impossible. So no roll will need to be made, but sometimes modifiers will allow you to get to that magic seven. So something like if you have a Griff Hound, for example, in cover, then he would effectively have a save on a six after modifiers. Okay. Yeah. Um. So if you have that Inspiring Presence plus one to your... Is that... Not inspiring presence. Not, what? Um, what's the? What's the, the lantern? No. What's the dumb thing that we have for our staunch generals? defender? Staunch defender. That's plus one to your save mm-hmm. if you haven't attacked. If you're not in cover. If you're not in cover and didn't charge and didn't charge. So if you have a dash, suddenly that's six because the plus one it becomes that after modifier. So if modifier. somebody hits you with a rend one, you still can't pass it because it's plus one minus one, so you can't get to seven. I see. Are there way, I mean are there there are ways to get multiple modifiers. Multiple yeah. modifiers. So like if you're staunch defender and the lantern then that you'd would be, be plus 2. So that would be 5 to save. Um but then if someone had rend then become yeah, it goes back to 6s and it can still go back to you can't you can't get mm-hmm. it. Interesting. Yeah. So fun little value there. So you need a 7. Dash is a 7 basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um that makes sense. Yeah, and it's still you do still do the reels before modifiers, um blah blah blah. So Oh that's right. Rerolls are before modifiers. So if so if someone's got a dash and you're making them reroll their saves, mm-hmm. then they need like they need a double sixes. Yeah. Or actually it doesn't mean because their saves they reroll everything anyway. So yeah, but that oh, okay. Yeah, and then they did hard bake some rules of one in here. Um like the rule of one where you cannot get more than one attack from an extra attack generation, etc. That's in the rules under abilities. It's the last paragraph where it says, lastly, any extra attacks, uh, hit rolls or wound rolls gained by the use of an ability cannot themselves generate extra attacks, hit rolls or wound rolls. So that's hard baked into the rules now. It's not just a rule of one for match play. Okay. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah, and this is just the basic rules. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, so, do we want to take a break and then talk a little bit about the different realms? Yeah, um, and then the only thing, like the only thing I can think of is battalions. Um, if you have a battalion, you get an extra command point, as we mentioned. You still get the extra artifact in match play. Um, so that's no real change, but. A lot of people say, well, why have the cost of the battalions gone up? Well, you now got a command point, too. So it's incorporating more into the battalion, not necessarily just the rules of it. Yeah. So um, I think that's about it for the core rules. So we'll take a break. and We'll come back talking about realmscapes and doing battle in each of the mortal realms. Cool.
Hey, check out that guy in the Garage Hammer shirt. Who cares about him? Look at that guy with the Garage Hammer hoodie. That's right, guys. Nothing tells the ladies I'm one of the gaming elite like garage wear. So hurry to garagehammer.net slash store, and soon you'll be the guy at game night that all the gamer chicks are talking about. Remember, boys, first you get your gear, then you win all your games, then you get the chicks. That's right, boys. The only gamers we notice are in garage gear. We are back, and uh, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the realms here because this is uh, kind of a big deal, and it's really, a huge deal. And it's you're going to see the tournaments for sure. I, I wasn't certain if you were or not when I was first reading it, um, and obviously you need to kind of know how we're going to use it. Um, you know, it's I don't it's not going to be. I doubt it would be random. Well, I think it's one of those things that uh, each individual tournament organizer gets to make that decision right starts how they want to do this because in the rules you roll off to see which realm you're fighting in uh-huh with the winner getting to pick um so there's some stuff to that um but i think like in an organized event you're definitely going to see the realms of battle being played um either the tournament organizer will set it up like for instance you could say this particular match is going to be fought in the realm of death and this is the realms keep feature we're going to be using or you could roll randomly it really is up to the to um as to whether or not to use them i certainly hope we see people use these um because they do add a lot of that depth to the game like how we were talking earlier how um the magic radiates into everything that it goes on so why would it not radiate into the fight sure so, absolutely yeah, it's an immersion thing. And the, these have shown up before. Realms of Battle have shown up in, in the Realm Gate Wars when, you yeah. know, and, you know, when they were running across the ice with Alarial's Soul Pod. Yeah. You know, that stuff was all listed there. It's like, if you want to play this, you can. But now they've gone through and they've defined mm-hmm. the realms. Yeah, because even in the previous rules, it says pick a realm you're fighting in, but there was nothing to support it. Now this is pick a realm you're fighting in it. And now there's seven. Yep. Because we don't fight in 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 Azir. In Azir, yeah, it's locked. Do we were already? I mean, honestly, we're already. Cl- I know. What, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here saying we're clocking in at about two and a half hours. We don't want to go into deep dive on each of these, do we? No, but, no. I mean, we should at least mention like what each realm is about, right? Um, and what they come with. Okay. So we'll start with Shayish because this is where all the fun is happening right now. Okay. Um, so in addition to other spells that your wizards know. Uh, they all know a spell from this realm, right. so this applies to all of them. So in death, there's the Pall of Doom, which is cast value six, and if successfully cast, pick an enemy unit within eighteen inches of, within eighteen inches of the caster that is whole, that is visible to them, and subtract two from the bravery of that unit you picked until your next hero phase. That's good. That is really good. And then there comes with some command abilities um, in each one of these, and then. Uh, the Realmscape feature is, this is where it gets really kind of hinky, is you can either roll a dice to see what extra bits apply to the battle, or you get to pick. Um, and it applies to 
the whole battle. Like it can be something as simple as no effect. Okay, great. All the way up to uh, adding one to the casting rules, adding one to the bravery characteristic of anything. All the terrain features have the sinister scenery rule in addition to others that they have. So they have two effects for every... Yeah. Yeah. But this is, again, in the realm of death. Right. So that's what this does. And then, like, the two command abilities that you get on this, um, you get to pick a unit uh, within three of a friendly hero or 12 of your general and roll a dice. And this is at the start of the combat phase. If the die roll is less than the number of models that have been slain from the unit you picked, you add one to the attacks characteristic of weapons used by that unit in that combat phase. So that's overall from the from the whole game. So yes. if you started off with forty, mm-hmm. and you're down, and you've lost twenty, you're auto passing. You're auto passing. But yeah. if you've only lost one or two, you, you could try for it, but it's going to be hard, right? Um, and then the second of which is soul force sacrifice. Um, you can use the command ability at the start of your hero phase. Uh, pick a friendly unit that is within three inches of your general. You get to allocate any number of wounds to that unit you wish. And this is not mortal wounds. This is just wounds. So this is just dead models. Um, you can heal one wound that has been allocated f- to your general for each wound that you allocate to the unit. So you get to sacrifice the little guys to save the big guy. And if you're playing with the death army like I was just playing and they've got that six up death save. No. You're just dead. It just says it's any number of wounds. To that unit you wish. Oh, so you're you're just allocating wounds so you're not. Oh, I see. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. So there's a little caveat there. Um, So look at me trying to be all clever and get around it. Sneaky git. So that's. Death. In fire, everybody knows fireball, which is a neat trick. Um, 18 inches, and this is uh, casting on an enemy unit. goes off on a 5. Um, if the enemy unit consists of one model, it suffers a mortal wound. If it's two or nine models, D3. And if it's ten or more, D6 mortal wounds on a 5. Nice. But this is something that's available to everybody. Right. Yeah, it's not just... The one player, so this is something that everybody has, and this kind of helps to make up for some of the armies that don't have access to easy mortal wound output that were kind of dependent on Arcane Bolt. So this adds, again, another little bit of complexity in the Realmscape stuff. There's some silly stuff in this one, Um, like the Flaming Missiles improve the Ren characteristic of missile weapons by one while the range from the attacking unit to the target unit is more than 12 inches. So Ren 3 on the uh, long strike crossbows. It's just <laughs> dumb. Uh, Ren 2 on judicators if they're that far away. So there's some stuff that it's a little silly, but again, this is stuff that you can use. Yeah, and I, I remember when we were first talking about this, I'm like, well, this could be totally biased because I get on this and suddenly I, you know, I'm playing in a realm that my guys come from and they get a huge bonus. And you're like, no, everybody gets the bonus. That's just the realm. It does yes. it for everybody. Just because you're from there doesn't give you anything extra, extra. It's just yeah. for everybody. Um, and there is one in here that I really do enjoy, which is Clouds of Smoke and Steam, which is a model cannot see another model of a straight line drawn from the center of its base to the center of the other model's base passes across a terrain feature other than open ground and or hills. So it's legit. The whole terrain feature blocks line of sight vertically straight up and around that footprint. Okay. Nice. So there's that shooting cover thing and line of sight blocking. It's built into the realm itself. 
So, neat trick. Oh, this is weird. The realm uh, command? Yep, this is the command ability that everybody gets. So the command ability in the realm of fire is fire starter. At the start of the movement phase, pick a terrain feature within 12 inches of a friendly hero and within three inches of another friendly unit. Roll a dice. On a four-up, that terrain feature is set alight. If a terrain feature is set alight for the rest of the battle, any units with models in or on it at the end of their movement phase suffers D3 mortal wounds. In addition, a model cannot see another model if a straight line is drawn from the center of its base to the center of the other model's base, passing across its terrain feature. So it becomes completely line because you literally set it on fire. So now it's a whole plume of smoke and everything that you can't see beyond. That's good. <laughs> you just start burning stuff. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you, you rely on being in terrain a lot? I'm just going to burn it. Yeah. I'm just going to set everything on fire. Or if I have to hide my big models that I wouldn't normally be able to. Yep. Start burning. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um. So we get to the realm of metal. Metal! Metal! Um, so the spell here is transmutation of lead. Cast value 7. If it goes off, pick an enemy unit with an 18 of the caster that is visible to them. And until your next hero phase... Half the move characteristic of the unit you picked rounding up. And in addition, if the unit has a save characteristic of 2, 3, or 4 plus, then until your next hero phase, you can reroll hit rolls of 1 for attacks that target that unit. So all that armor is weighing them down and slowing them down. Right. So you get a better chance to hit them. That's and this is the save characteristic, not including modifiers. So it's just the, what's on the tr- What's on what's their on the war page. scroll. Yep. Um. As far as, like, the Realmscape features, there's some silly stuff on here. Um, Iron Trees is, like, you worsen the Ren characteristic of a weapon by one to a minimum of dash if the target has cover from a Citadel Wood or a Sylvaneth Wildwood because the trees are made of metal. Because <laughs> reasons. Um, or you could just even do ignore the Ren characteristic of all weapons for the duration of the battle because that's a thing. Hmm. Um, and then command ability. Uh, so this one is pick a friend or adapt or die. If you do, or you can use the command ability at the start of your hero phase. And if you do so, pick a friendly unit within three of a friendly hero or twelve of your general until your next hero phase. Roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to the model in this unit, and on a six, the wound is negated. So it's essentially a free six up save for a command point. Oh, nice. So let's go to Gur, the realm Grr. of beasts. Um. Uh, the spell you get is Wild Form. On a five, pick a friendly unit within 12 inches of the caster that's visible to them. Plus two to charge and run rolls till your next hero phase. Of course it is. Yeah. Because it lets out that primal instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, okay, this, you, you don't get a command ability. No. You get what's called Monstrous Beasts. After setup, each player can set up a monster that's not a hero, starting with the player that finished setting up their army first. They're called monstrous beasts in the rules that follow. They're not part of either army. Set up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches away from any other monstrous beast and more than nine inches from the model of either army. Um, They choose their prey at the start of each battle round. The prey will be the army that has a unit closest to them. For the rest of that battle round, they join the opposing army. Uh, excuse me. If both armies have a unit equally close, roll off to determine who picks the monstrous beast prey. They will not pick each other as prey. Note that the monstrous beast prey 
can change each battle round, and Mantra's Beast will swap sides depending on what army has the closest unit. Also note, a Mantra's Beast can attack any unit in their Praise Army, not just the closest unit, and cannot itself be attacked or charged by units from the army it has joined. So, they when they attack, do they? I mean, do they? They they they're part of your army, so they charge. So it doesn't have to be the closest. If you get that really good charge roll, they can run right around. But they're with your army. Whoever's closest at the start of the battle round is the army they're going to attack. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, uh, so if they're closest to you, I get to control them. And I get to use them just like a normal, I can move them, I can do stuff. Um, So if you get a good charge roll and you can just sink them deep into the enemy lines, you can mess mess with, but you each get a beast. Yeah. (laughs) It's... It's a weird mechanic that everyone just gets a free monster, but um, it's one of those things that is a little hinky because it's like if you're going to try to set this up for a fi- for a fair type event, how do you determine which monster to use? Do you just get to pick one from your book, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Right, and then suddenly it's like, well, I can bring any monster. If I can bring any monster, then it's like, well, do I really? Then do I want to bring the biggest, baddest thing and have it come after you? Do I want to take something? Oh, he! No, I thought it's a monster that's not a hero. I thought. Oh, yeah, a monster that's not a hero. Okay, that's so it's not an Arcan, but I can take something big and beefy, or I can be like, you know what? I don't want this thing turning against me. Do I take something that's a little smaller? Yeah, a monster that's not going to be as crazy. Uh, it depends on your what you know what you feel you can handle if it turns mm-hmm. against you. That's kind of it's weird. Yeah. Oh, and I love. Uh, I'm just. Glancing at these, uh, whether you roll off or whatever, Territory of Beast is the Realmscape feature number six. Both players set up an additional Monstrous Beast using the Monstrous Beast rules on the left. So now there's four Monstrous Beasts running around the table. Yep. Oh, that's just dumb. That's yeah. just gonna that's just gonna cause havoc. Yeah, in like a match setting. So, but again, this is you're being given a sandbox. And you get to pick the toys you play with it. Uh, so then moving on to the realm of life. Um, so we've got Shield of Thorns as a spell. Cast value 5. If it goes off, pick a friendly unit within 18 of the caster they can see. And until your next hero phase, any enemy unit that finishes a charge move within 3 inches of the unit you picked suffers D3 mortal wounds. So, not bad. Not great. But not bad. Uh, it's it's a deterrent if you don't want people charging yeah. it. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about that last thing. with the. F- Could you picture Joe Flesh? Playing in that realm with like, there's like four giants on the board. The guy owns like fifty giants. Could you? Yeah. It's just like, oh, I'm playing Joe Flash the, or John Cash. Or, yeah, just playing tons of tons of uh, tons of giants running around mm-hmm. or gargants. Sorry, gargants. running around now. That would, but that would be kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's nothing that's wanky and wonky and completely out of control. You just happen to be playing in a realm where you're in the middle of the gargants, you know, territory, and mm-hmm. they just come out and they're like, oh, a fight, let's go. Yep. Yeah, I'm sorry. We'll go back to this. You're good. Um, so the command ability for uh, the Realm of Life ties directly into the spell, um, which is command the land. That's That rhymes. It's nice. Um, so you can use the command ability at the, start, at the end of your hero phase. And if you do so, a friendly hero can attempt to cast Shield of the Thorns, even if they are not a wizard, and even if the spell has already been attempted in the same hero phase. And if the hero is a wizard, using this command really allows him to attempt to cast the shield, the shield of thorn, shield of thorn spell. In addition to any other spells they have already attempted to cast, 
and even if the spell has already been attempted by either themselves or another wizard in the same hero phase. So, cool. Yeah. Um, now, the Realmscape features on life I like a lot because it shows, like, Alarial, like, with her influence. Um, so, like, at the start of your hero phase, you roll a dice amount of six plus. You can set up a Sylvaneth Wildwood terrain feature anywhere on the battlefield that is more than one inch away from any other models or terrain features. So that's Alarial coming back. But then you look further down the road and you look at Feckin' Quagmire, um, which is models cannot run unless they're able to fly because it's still infected by Nurgle. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's showing the dichotomy and lets you set up your game for what you want. That's kind of neat. Yeah. That is pretty cool. Uh, what else we got? We got, uh, we're in the, let's go into the realm of light. Uh, the spell is Foz Protection. Cast on a five, select a friendly unit with an 18 inches that's visible to them, minus one from hit rolls made for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. Minus one to hit, that's actually pretty good, especially if you're going to run them right game. up in the front. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the realm command is strike quickly. Use this command ability at the start of the combat phase. Pick a friendly unit within three inches of a hero or 12 inches of your general and within three inches of the enemy. So it's got to be someone who's already in combat. That unit fights immediately instead of fighting later in the combat phase. Mm-hmm. So you can pick that even if it's not your turn. Yes. So I can jump in. Now, does that, now if I fight with them immediately, does that, um, like, let's say, okay, I, I did, it's my turn. I did all my charges, I did everything. I use the command ability and fight with them. Mm-hmm. Then do I still get my regular. Attack? Yeah. Yes. So I so I can actually attack with two units. I can use I a command so. ability to attack with this guy immediately and then get my regular attack. So if I have stocked up a couple of command points. Mm-hmm. You can blitz. But by the same token, your opponent could spend one to cancel out effectively. Can they? What's it say? Uh, you can use this command ability at the start of the combat phase. If you do so. The combat phase. At the start of the combat phase, yeah. Oh, so if your opponent has one, they can pick one to do that too. And so then it goes to turn order to whosoever turn it is. Oh, okay. So then, I'd still if it's my turn and I charge and I used one and you used one, I'd pick one to go first. But then you'd get to pick one and go the okay. same one that you hit the speed on. Okay. Um, if I have multiple command points, can mm-hmm. I use this on the same unit? Or um, you wouldn't get the same ef- the same multiples of the same effect. This unit fights immediately. Oh, rather, th- so it's not like you get an extra attack. You're not getting. Right. Oh, okay. I see what you. Okay, I read. I missed. I was like thinking. Okay, so yeah, no, that was just me being dumb. Um. And I didn't really look over all the Realmscape features. Anything that really sticks out for you here? I see minus one for bravery from chaos units, minus one bravery from order units, minus one to hit. Uh, subtract one from hit rolls made for attacks that target units that are in cover. Oh, so you, oh, that's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're garrisoning a building, you're minus two. Or if I'm just in cover, it's minus one to hit me and the plus one for the cover. For this cover save. Mm, not bad, not bad. Yeah. And then my personal favorite is Ulgu, uh, the Realm of Shadow. It's got some of the neatest tricks, uh, as it should. So, 
Uh, the first spell is Mystifying Miasma. Uh, cast value 4. And if it's successfully cast, select an enemy within 18 inches of a caster they can see. That unit cannot run until your next hero phase. And in addition, subtract 2 from charge rolls for that unit until your next hero phase. Nice. Yeah. That's a big deal. Especially if you know you're playing against a unit that can run and charge. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're not running and you're slowing down on the charge. Nice. Yeah. It's a neat trick. Um, the Realmscape features for this one are some of the wackiest ones. Um, the three of them are the maximum range of attacks or spells is 6, 12, or 18 inches because it's so dark. Oh. Oh, yeah. It's we used clouded to, in shadows. We used to have that in... In some of the scenarios where we played with like uh, the Clan Eshin when that was a thing. Mm-hmm. You rolled an artillery dice and times it by three. That was how far you could see. Right. So this is part of that, or my personal favorite is the Shadowed Mansions or Shadow Realm. So depending on if you're within a if you're garrisoning a building, you can teleport the unit to another garrisonable building from one building to another. Oh wow. But you roll a dice for every model you transfer, and on a one, that model becomes lost in the mist and dies. So it's kind of like the old Realm Gate rules, yep. except you're literally just bamfing between buildings. Yep. And then the other one is you can bamf on table edges. Ooh. But again, the same thing. If you roll a one, you, you die. get lost. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the command ability is Lord of the Shadow Realm. So you can use either the Shadowed Mansions or Shadow Realm Realmscape feature on the right, um, as we just discussed. So you do not have to roll to see if any models are lost when they go that way. Oh, so that's a cool command ability. So if you want to spend the command point, you can do that and not risk anything. Also, if that's not the... Realmscape feature. Realmscape feature that turns up, you can still use that Realm... That ab- nice. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. pretty cool. That can get that can get pretty crazy. Yeah, especially if you think you're clever and you're in the building, and then they they encircle it, and then you just disappear. Yeah, I'm just gone. Yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of other armies don't necessarily have the access to Alpha Strike. Now you do have access to Alpha Strike and neat movement tricks. So the realms help a lot of the armies that don't have access to these toys to begin with. If you can get into that realm. Yeah. Um, I can see why you'd want to go and pick. Yeah, uh, roll off to see who gets to pick and then. Or even if you just roll a D8 and then discard a random realm. Yeah, that's what I would do personally. Uh, If you're just doing just a straight match game. Yeah, get used to it because it's going to be in. I really think you're going to see this a lot. And it's just a matter of going to be down to the individual individual TOs picking how everything gets sorted. There's so much happening on the board now. Yes. Between your army, the table, and everything like that. It's like you're playing Holy Wars on a minor level every game now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's exactly what it's like. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Um, I can see people complaining this would slow the game down a bit for them until you get used to until it. Until you get used to it. But that's like anything else. That's true, because, yeah, I remember so every every edition. This is going to take forever. And realistically... Pre-measuring was going to make the game take forever, because uh-huh, I'm sitting sure. there pre-measuring. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you've got the little Romscape features, and that's really just one extra rule to the table, plus a couple extra command abilities and a spell. 
it's really not that bad. No, it's well, yeah, because the realmscape you're only going to get one of those, mm-hmm. and then everybody gets the spell and everybody gets the command ability, unless you're in Gur. Well, right. The only right. one that's going to take a while is Gur. Yeah, Gur's going. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, and you both have it, so it's like even if you're. As long as one of you on the table remembers what it is, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, that's. I, I like this. I yeah. like this. This is kind of exciting. Yeah, it definitely brings the game up a level, gives you that immersion, gives you a real sense of what it's like. Now, the mortal realms aren't just cool places to set up stories. Mm-hmm. They're. Well, I mean, we've been saying, we said in the beginning that the magic immerse is immersive in everything in the realm it's made of magic uh solidified and so yeah it makes sense that that's going to affect where you're fighting Mm -hmm. very cool yeah very cool i'm so excited about this edition and literally we just spent three hours or no well not not quite three hours but we spent all this time on a shallow dive (laughs) Yeah, into the just the core rulebook and a little bit of the sorcery. Yeah, um, we haven't touched on any of that other extra. We still haven't touched on. Well, we talked about how the endless spells work, but we haven't gone into them. We haven't gone into the all the stuff in the GHB and all the allegiance abilities because they've some of them have changed a little bit, haven't they? Yeah, there's a couple new artifacts and a couple clarifications about how they work. Um, so, like, the Seraphon one is you fail on a one or two when you teleport instead of just a one. Oh. So, hmm. that's a change. Or, like, one of the order artifacts is you can recoup a command point. Oh, cool. So. And don't we have, where's all the extra, isn't there a whole bunch of extra spells and extra? That's also in Malign Sorcery. Um, and that one, I think you're going to have to see play as well. Because there are some armies that don't have access to, like, quote, good artifacts or stuff that's particularly usable all the time. Like, I know, like, me personally, as a Moon Clan player, none of the destruction artifacts are anything I want to take because they favor big, hitty, fighty characters, not four-wound measly measly grots. So, if I'm being able to dedicate my army to a realm and getting access to different artifacts to compensate for my true deficiencies again. Okay. And once again, it's just, I mean, yeah, it's a lot to look. When you see them all there in the book, it's kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But once again, you're pick, you're going to find something that fits your army. You're just going to pick that. It's a lot to look at it all and see what's going to, what do I want to use for my army? What's going to work best right. for my army? But once you've got it, you're back down to that small list again. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the person you're playing against is only going to have a couple of things and they'll yeah. hopefully have that little thing there. Oh, this is what I'm using. Man, it's, it's it's the same game, but Mama Lucia, is it different? Yes. And I think it's cooler. It's There's a lot of stuff on happening on the table, but boy, has it gone narrative. Yeah, and it's incorporating the narrative into the match play, even. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's gone, it's... Every the table is going to be a part of the story now. It's going to be a part of that, and I and I love it. 
Uh, and and nothing against people who just want to who don't care about any of that and just want to rack yeah. up to the table and 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 score their points and 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 win their and move on yeah, yeah. um and, and they'll be able to do this stuff too you yeah know, you I, don't have to play with the realm rules but I think I think when you get into these competitive play though I think you're still going to see it there and I mean. Yeah, you could just treat it like a couple of extra rules and not care about that stuff. But for story stinkers like you and I, suddenly it it's it's just a lo- another narrative level added on to mm-hmm. this. It's it's really cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Like I said, I was pointing out to Christopher before how now that you're not now that we don't have a list of you know of you know t- five six seven pages of special rules yep you know like before like the always strikes first and the frenzy and the thing where then when you write up a a a new war scroll you have to figure out a way to you know to to shoehorn them into these rules you can just write a rule for the war scrolls and this is nothing new um but we were talking that now you can make each character extremely flavorful and extremely right uh fitting their story and how they work um, and this just once again adds to that. It's not. Um, it's, it's no different than any battle planner scenario that adds special rules. It's just an extra little thing. Wow! So we're playing with the realm rules and the diff and the the place where I'm from. If I'm picking the 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 artifacts from that realm that yeah. I come from, and then you know, like I said earlier, I love. To just instead of going through the book and looking for stuff, I love to just take the open play cards and slap down three cards um, because it could be a mix of anything. That's you know, at the end of the game. If you're writing up a battle report, you could there's a there's a story there. It's just fantastic. Yeah. Wow. Welcome to the new world. Yeah. This oh, this is, I have so much to look at. And we still, like I said, next couple episodes, we're still going to have to try to deep dive a little of this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much we'll deep dive the anything, the the rehash stuff from the big book. But as yeah, we're reading it, as we, if we pick up cool new stuff, we'll definitely... But definitely like the Necroquake going forward, I sure, think sure. is really where we're going to focus. But um, even the Malign Sorcery book, bro. Um, yeah, there's some good background in there, too. It's It's... Talks about the history of magic. It talks mm-hmm. about there's pages about realm stone and the different types of realm stone. Um, and then there's a there's a page explaining the story behind each of these endless spells, yeah, endless spells. And it's some pretty neat stuff. Like it's fun. So wow, yeah, wow. It's okay. I, I, are we done? I think so. And again, folks, if you're looking to get into this and really like get the second edition experience you really do need the core book malign sorcery and the ghb to get your full experience yeah because you're going to use each book in every game i really think and even if you don't want to play with the endless spells you should pick it up just to understand what it is Uh, and because other people are going to want to yeah I've seen a few people already like, so even though I don't want to do this, I got to pay all this money to buy all those models because the book comes with the box of models, which, by the way, look over there to your left. Yeah. The, you get this big box and you're like, oh, look at this and the books in it. And then the all the sprues come in this really fancy like Ziploc. 
bag of tricks. Bag of tricks, which you could literally toss them. I mean, if you just want to be crazy with it, toss them all back in there. But it's a nice little Ziploc-y. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just floating around in there. I was like, this is really nice. Like, I could use that for other things. Yeah. Um, you're, you're just going to want all three. If you don't want, I think the book is 60 bucks on its own. If you don't want the box set. But then with the box set, you get the dice, you get this, you get the, I mean, that's an extra 100 bucks for 50 some odd models. That's a really good price. Oh yeah, for, for this sure. for this box set. So if you're going to play either of those, grab the box set. If neither of these are your army and you're just grabbing the book, you're still going to want like you said, GHB line sorcery and, and this cuz you're going to use the core book cuz like the free downloadable rules that's all well and good, but it doesn't have the realm rules in it. Right. Which you're going to need. Right, 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 right. And yeah, when, like you even said with uh, Malign Sorcery, all the All, all the, the realm spells. artifacts yeah, and realm, realm spells. And spells. So there's a lot. And you know what, folks? If you're in a community and you can't afford all of this at once, share. Yeah. That's totally okay. Only one person in your group needs... Well, I suppose if you're both playing and your list both have the same... Endless spell. You may need two of the models. Yeah. But other than that, as long as somebody's got it, you can do that and figure it out. Yeah. And Make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And just, we're all learning together. This is a whole new experience for everybody playing. So. I'm super excited. It, it, it amazes me when you see online all the people who are getting all the little t- tips and hints. And then now that, now that a lot of stuff is leaked already and people see it, they're all like, oh, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to do that. I'm trying. I'm still looking at this going, how are you even figuring all this crazy stuff out and whether this is great or not? I'm just trying to take in all the stuff that's there. Yeah. I'm still looking at all the trees. I don't even notice that it's a forest yet. I'm just like, this is cool. That's mm-hmm. cool. This is cool. It's bananas. But that's it. We got to do. We got to be done. Yeah. Um, folks, thank you so much for listening again. Episode 195. Five episodes away from our big number 200. Not that it's going to be a big party or anything, but it's It's still, totally a party. It's to- <laughs> um, I, I, it's, it's an exciting time. Um, so just final notes. Please remember, check out our Patreon page. Um, and before we go, we do want to thank the associate producers, Phil Elliott and Dwight Sims, the executive producers, Misty Tempel and Nick Nefliotis, and our newest sponsors, Robert Hensel and Jimmy Rowland. Hey, folks, uh, once again, thanks to all the Patreon patrons for being part of the 1%. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, that's cool. I know I don't ask for them that often, but I do read them, yeah. and it's very cool if we get them. I appreciate it. I, I love reading them. Um, feel free to leave us a voicemail, any of that stuff. Um, but until next time, folks, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall. And only the faithful know no despair except in failure. You've been listening to Garage Hammer. If you've enjoyed the show, maybe consider leaving us a positive review on iTunes or check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash garagehammer. If you'd like to reach us, you can contact us via our email address, garagehammer at live.com. You can also find us on Twitter. David is at garagehammer, and Alex, that's me, is at somekindageek30. Original music by Claire Seabrook. You can find more of her work at soundcloud.com slash Claire Seabrook Music. Finally, if you want to join the Garage Hammer community, as well as the AOS community worldwide, you can comment on our episodes in the show thread at 
the Grand Alliance forums. That's tga.community. Or check out the Garage Hammer Facebook page. And as always, thanks for listening.